Studio, deep within the broadcasting multiplex of CBS Radio. Neil before God is the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. And uh, greetings and salutations and howdy, kids. It's uh, 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of November, in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Southern State Radio. This, my friends, me amigos, me compadres, my companions... Is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Uh, thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. I sound unusually masculine today. Whatever you're doing, Kristen, I like it. 
Uh, Are you saying you don't sound masculine other days? I'm saying yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for putting it in those terms. Yes, I'm a eunuch the rest of the time. Thank you. I don't sound like my normal emasculated self. I don't sound like I like I don't sound like I've been gelded. Uh, hello. Uh, anyway, uh, we are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, greetings, and uh, oh, you know what? I, I I didn't get this ready today because I'm uh, I'm running late again. Go figure. I was gonna have my day twelve thing open together. Well, I'll, I'll roll it out just a second. In any event, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy for your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your corrections, your two cents. Uh, your what have you, whatever you want to chime in with today. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the stupid, the offensive, the just plain socially indefensible. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. Uh, you want to join us today. It is Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. We are live. Thank you for coming by. Uh, you want to email us, you can do that as well. My chums, it's just this easy. If you'd like to... Uh, Engage with us in a binary fashion. Uh, it is uh, Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Uh, Kristen Bowie at gmail.com. Yes. <clears throat> Timmy Ryan, do you wish to be contacted or do you want to be left alone? No, you can contact me, sure. Should I give my email? <laughs> this is where I, I give out my email address. Or you could just think it and telepathically they could somehow mine's, suck out. Mine's real easy. It's uh, RadioTimRyan at Hotmail.com. RadioTimRyan. RadioTimRyan at Hotmail.com. Hotmail. Feel free to uh, send me pictures. That was, that was subtle. <laughs> Spoken like a true DJ. Uh, and, of course, Richie Bristol can be contacted. It's Richie with a T at 970.am. So if that wasn't confusing enough, I'm not going to go through all this again. If you wrote them down, great. If not... The stuff beans to you. Uh, anyway, it's 503-733-2970. It's Friday. Hope everybody made it through uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, fine. We got a whole. We never even. We never got to the to the refrigerator here yesterday, which is is still laden. I got. I think we got to start resetting the studio at the end of every year because otherwise, things. We we have this tradition on the program, and I'll get to what's coming up today here in just a second. But I. Uh, we have this tradition, and Tim Riley is, uh, Tim and Sarah are actually uh, out today, and so we'll do introductions and everything all the way around here in a second. But Tim and I have this tradition where at the end of every year, we spend, we take like a good three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days toward the end of the year, and we try to get to every item of news that has been previously neglected. All the things that we haven't gotten to, all of the stories that haven't been addressed. Uh, it doesn't matter how how old they are, doesn't matter how out of date they are, doesn't matter how completely you, you past their prime. How, you, you know, they've just half-lifed away into, uh, into you know, news-oriented subatomic particles. It doesn't matter. And then we have this ritual that we did once, which I guess doesn't make it a ritual. That makes it a thing we did once. We tried to get to all of the news in the old news stack. And then all the remaining news I took out into the parking lot and we burned into a pile of ashes, which I then bottled up into a jar. And it was then a jar of news that was never gotten to, which is really, and it appeals to all of my weird paganistic Catholic roots, you know, where you just you burn things and then you put them on a thing and then a guy comes by and lights a candle in front of every six months. So, I don't know, if we're, can you drop that bed just a hair? Thank you. Um, so I don't know if we're going to get to do uh, that this year, but I do think that we're going to have to go through the refrigerator at the very least and the studio, because God only knows what's lurking in the corner of the... the I mean, we do have a pretty great studio, but I think that the custodial staff has just flat out been told not to come in here and clean. Because I, I will walk into here sometimes, and there's just, I mean, it, you really do expect to find 
you know, like Amelia Earhart lurking back behind some of the draperies. I think the custodial staffs at radio stations are so terrified of inadvertently pushing the wrong button, knocking things off the air, turning off a song, turning on a microphone, that a lot of them get told to leave things alone. And so as a result, the studios never get tidied. And that's definitely the case here. So we might um, we might do a little bit of that today, uh, starting with the uh, refrigerator. All right. <clears throat> what else is coming up? Okay, so here's we got CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, who will be joining us today, because I guess today is Black Friday, which I always thought was called that because... I always thought they called it Black Friday because it was horrid. I always thought it was some sort of, like, a pejorative term because it was, because you just go out to a Walmart and then within about eight seconds you just wish you were dead. Apparently not. I guess this is the day when retailers all try to get into the black, uh, as Neil Young would say. I guess this is the day when they all they tried to, they tried to stem the flood of, of red on their ledger sheets by everybody going out and buying a bunch of crap or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. So we're going to talk to Jim. The whole point of this is no matter how bad you feel today, no matter how hungover you might be, no matter how filled with loathing and hatred for all of the assembled human uh, kind around you that you may be, Jim Roop feels that way, like way more than you do, because I do believe they've got him going to not one, not two, but actually five different malls in the greater Los Angeles area today. Now, Uh. I'm pretty sure that it's just Jim Roop, a microphone, and a bottle of scotch hidden in the trunk of his car, (laughs) which he will use responsibly, of course, going from one mall to the other, interviewing, let's see here. It, Jim Roop will be available from the t- starting at the Town Center Mall in Los, An- uh, Los Angeles, where the shopping day will be in full swing. Um, and it, as of this morning, as of about 8 a.m. this morning, he had already compiled a whole list of uh, what we in the radio business refer to as actualities, uh, which are just uh, little sound clips, interviews with uh, with the people, the folks, you know, the proletariat, the common clay of the New West, morons. So he's been doing that. We'll talk to Jim Roop. Uh, Scott Daly will be here from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, he will be in here later on reviewing something or other. I'm not even really sure what it is. I think he might be reviewing The Mist. But I don't want to don't hold me to that. I'm not entirely positive about that fact. What else? Penis Watch coming up today. Uh, Taser Watch. Uh, Timmy Ryan will be sharing his top five songs from the soundtrack to the motion picture Boogie Nights. Am I right? Yes, sir. Fantastic. That'll be coming up later. I... I sent uh, I sent Timmy a text last night. I'm like, hey, dude, if you want to do a top five tomorrow, it can be whatever you want. Just come up with five songs and bring them in. Top top artists, top albums, whatever. And so you came in this morning and you announced that you were... Let me just back and tell the story correctly. You were at home drunk watching Boogie Nights. Yeah, the, the three hours that I slept last night were basically spent drinking and watching Boogie Nights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you have assembled the top five songs from the Boogie Nights soundtrack. Yeah, including an honorable mention. One song, I won't give it away, but it's from the... Um, the deleted scenes part of the DVD All right. that should have been used. And I know that uh, P.T. Anderson's probably kicking himself, but there you go. I like what I'm hearing. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, God, there's just a whole pile of stuff that we didn't get to uh, yesterday. Uh, let's see. We have... Uh, Alcohol will do that to you. It's not even... I don't even really have that excuse. It's just that I've reached kind of the end of the week. And it is, we had the holiday show that we had here yesterday. If you didn't hear yesterday's Thanksgiving program, it really was one for the record books. It might actually be the greatest, weirdest Thanksgiving show that we've had so far. And don't even, if you go to rickemerson.com, you'll see one of the reasons why. I have not brought the bottles back into the studio. Um, but we'll talk about what happened. If you missed yesterday's 
This is one of those, you know, if you didn't hear Rick Everson's program yesterday, you didn't. We'll talk about what you missed yesterday, and it really was pretty. It really was a pretty outstanding program. So we'll we'll do all of that here in a second. Uh, in for the uh, in for the vacationing, Tim Riley. Timmy Ryan is working on the following stories for your edification. Today. I'd like to point out that I am well oiled, well tanned, and well rested today. Now, have you? Can I ask you this? Have you been working? Uh, and we need not identify the other radio stations, and they'd probably prefer it that way. But have you been working elsewhere since we last talked to you? Oh, uh, yeah. How many radio jobs do you have? <laughs> Is it more or less than three? Uh, Between not... Tim and I, we control Portland Radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the best, that's the phrase of the day right there. Fantastic. Uh, let's put it this way. This time last year, I was on five different radio stations. Uh-huh. Now I'm only on uh, three different radio stations. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, there you go. And yeah, it, I'm sure that at least two of the other ones don't want anybody else to know that. Would prefer uh, that you not be associated with right, them and us. Yeah, yeah. We, we're trying to keep the world separate. Because I, I have to kind of be tame and mind my P, P's and Q's over those places, and here I don't. No. I get to be my natural self. Yes, you In can. the wild. All right. In all its glory. <laughs> In all its, <laughs> all its glory. All right. Here, here are the stories, and they're great. First off, Britney Spears' new album, Blackout, is failing. Oh, wait, hold on. So we're going to have a Britney watch. Okay, let me make a note to myself. Yeah, we'll call that a Britney watch. Britney watch. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Paris Hilton loves the commies. We've all known that for a while, though. So according to Rick, that means she would love me. Yes, yes. because you are a fellow traveler, as we deduce yesterday. Comrade. I don't, I don't even remember why. <laughs> because I wasn't singing along with you guys to John Denver. Mother uh, Russia. Now, do you just not know the John Denver song, no, or are I you opposed to John Denver? I'm not a singer at oh, all. Oh, like I am. Like any of us. <laughs> like anybody in this program. I make has... a collective effort to never sing, though. It's that I bad. I can sing. Please don't. <laughs> Country roads, take me home. Stop. Oh. What else are we working on, Timmy Ryan? All right. Are you an abusive boss? And come work for the post office. You have a career ahead of you. Excellent. Is that it? Yeah, that'll do it for right now. All right, fantastic. That's all coming up. Uh, we're joined today by Kristen Bowie into the vacationing Sarah Dillon. Why, hello. Hello. So, uh, are you wearing, first of all, do you have a bracelet of Mahjong tablets? Yes. That's fantastic. Thank right. you. Can I just tell you this, and I'm unashamed to say this, and I say this with any day, I have no, uh, no embarrassment in my heart about this. I used to play a mean game of Mahjong. I love Mahjong. I was, I'm no good at it now, but there was a time when I could, uh, when I could do that uh, with a plum and with ease, because I discovered it on a computer that ran Windows 3.1 or 3.0 or something. <laughs> and I had played it a little bit growing up because my friend Virgil, his grandparents lived at, a, at his home with him. And I would walk through, the, like, we would, if we would crash at his house, we would walk through the kitchen at night, and his grandparents, and they would be, like, angry Mahjong. Like, mm-hmm. they, like, I would, it would, it would sort of be like when you walk through, like, if you, like, if certain neighborhoods you walk through, and there's the guys on the corner playing, like, the angry dominoes, where it's like they're throwing, you know, they're slamming it down, and it's like, and it, you just, you expect a knife to come out at any second. That's how his grandparents were with Mahjong. It was like some weird Mahjong Jimkata blood sport thing where you expected them to be lashed together at the wrist. Play that it's game. fiercely competitive. Yeah. If you've ever been to certain parts of Chinatown in San Francisco, yeah. you can see the older Asian people playing. Kill you. It. Yeah, and if you stare, sit there and stare too long, they will seriously look at you like they're going to knife you. It's horrible. Yeah, it's like the magic I went there and I watched them play for five minutes because it was interesting. And then I got the look and I was like, okay, maybe I should leave because you know I'm just one girl Excellent. in Chinatown by myself. It's so. like Magic the Gathering with dim yeah. sum and knives. Exactly. I've seen geeks slow down over uh, Magic Cards. Okay, I, can I just tell you this? I, I don't even know if I should say this. Aaron Geek in the City Duran is out of town right now, so I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I have his permission. 
You do. Ah, I'm weighing. I'm toying. Okay, I'll just say I'll give I'll give just the broad strokes of this. I have said for the longest time, and Aaron and I agree on this. For the longest time, we have been saying that in in the style of the World Poker Tour, etc., there does need to be a geeks playing Magic the Gathering television program. That would be rad. And you do it the same way they do the World Poker Tour. You don't you don't you know you don't show all six hours. You film the whole game and you edit it down to 22 minutes of a bunch of pasty zit faced guys going. <laughs> but, but I have an orb of Thessala. But that's a plus six, you know. And then and then there you go. Are you and talking then, about virgin guys who still live with their parents? Ah, uh, that's it. Now I resent that stereotype. <laughs> yeah. They. You don't actually, say that to the And we're Work, on, work with Linux. They banned that work game from my middle school when I was younger because kids were fighting over oh, magic. <laughs> I uh, I remember I was going to... Well, we're getting way behind already, but it's Friday after Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter. Uh, I am old enough to remember the very... Not the very first, but one of the first iterations of Dungeons & Dragons when it came out. And, I, and I'm one of the Dungeons & Dragons player, but I have many friends who are Dungeons & Dragons players. Uh-huh. And I... Um, it, when when the first when it first really hit the market in a mass sense, I was in about second grade or maybe first grade, and that was right around the time that this Tom Hanks movie came out called Mazes and Monsters, and it's a movie that Tom Hanks doesn't really talk about a whole lot because it's just you know it's, it's one of those things you try to bury right next to Turner and Hooch, but Mazes and Monsters stars Tom Hanks as this kid who is a huge they don't call it Dungeons and Dragons they call it Mazes and Monsters but it's it, where he you know he, he gets so deep into the game and he becomes obsessed with it and I think he ends up like. I think he ends up beating one of his friends to death with a shovel and, like, burying him in his parents' basement or something and running around, like, the suburbs in a cape. And it was one of those fantastic scare films that was there to tell you exactly what your children were doing in the <clears throat> in the darkened suburban nights when you weren't really... Turner and Hooch is a great movie. Wasn't that a big fear when Dungeons & Dragons first came oh, out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I Going to a Catholic school, we heard about it constantly. Um, when going to a Catholic school, just to give you the shorthand, we could do this someday. We could do it. We will not do it now because we don't have time and there's other stuff to get to. At some point, we could do an entire high-concept uh, high discussion about... I could probably do it right now, and I'm, I should put it off. But we could do an entire high-concept segment about things that you were always told would send you to hell when you were growing up. And that is not a thing that's exclusive to Catholic faith, but the Catholics do seem to have a special, uh, a special skill uh, at threatening your child, however passively, with eternal damnation, if your child should at any point engage in any activity that remotely resembles fun. Uh, top of the list was Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, right below that was uh, the Motley Crue. Right below that was any rock music, because it all contains backward masking. Being uh, the gay. <laughs> being, being the gay. Um, it, we had the, when, uh, any, any sort of... Um, uh, when I was in the Catholic school, they would send home these mimeographed. Uh, they had these mimeographed sheets. They would send home. The following things will send you to hell. And it was no. It was lists of. This is right when the VHS craze, you know, started to hit. When when home movies, you could start renting movies at your house on a VCR. And the number of movies that was out on the market in the early days, it was so small that you could really. I've told the story before, but there was a video store in my hometown where you would go there once a week to kind of see what they were renting in terms of movies. And this is about, I don't know, 85, 86. And the number of movies that were on the market on VHS was so small that it was literally like on one Xerox sheet. It was like maybe 100 movies. That's all that they had to rent. And the number of movies on the market was so small that the Catholic Church uh, in my town would go to the store and they would get this list of movies and they themselves would then send their own version of that list home with you telling parents what movies not to allow in the home because they were going to send your child to the seventh circle of, you know, Dante's Inferno and blah, 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 blah. I don't even know how we started talking about this. It's 503 733 
2970 today. Uh, real briefly, so we're going to be uh, rolling out some of our Christmas music uh, today. We do pride ourselves on playing non dreck like uh, Christmas songs because I know that, and it's not just you guys, because you work on radio, so you get the brunt of it. I hate Christmas music. See, and I don't, but what I do hate is bad Christmas music. Yeah, and I'm I don't drink on this one. And I don't even mean bad Christmas music like Elmo and Patsy, because that's sort of in its own category of like, it's like it's so bad it's sort of irrelevant to me. There is bad Christmas music that sort of postures as good, and that's what I never need to hear again. These sort Kenny of, Chesney's All I Want for Christmas. That's, is what, a, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the problem, I have, with, the problem I have with Christmas music is there's five songs, and everybody sings those five songs, and they all sing them the same way. Well, because, and you, and you know, having worked in the music industry somewhat, you know that that is the Christmas record is right behind live album and greatest hits compilation in terms yep. of the obligatory money-grubbing release that a band must put out at some point. Right. And it's pretty cheap to make. I mean, the, the songs are right there. You don't have to pay a whole lot of royalties. they're run. all either in the public domain or right. like eight cents right. or something. Yeah, yeah. right. So, which is why you get, you know, every, like, uh, I remember uh, when the teen pop thing was happening a few years ago, and it was the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, you know, Hanson and all that, and every one of them, it's, and it, you can almost follow it like clockwork. The regular studio release comes out, then the Christmas record, then the live album, then the B-sides, then the compilation, then the box set, then the remaster of the original studio re- release. Right. So, in any of And something else, one more thing to add on that. Yeah. On a Christmas album, there's always ten tracks, which are the same tracks, and then there's two extra tracks, which are Christmas songs that nobody's ever heard before because one of the band members wrote, and then those songs are never heard from again. <laughs> no, no, there's... And the other thing that they will sometimes do, we're really just inside the whole thing now, but here's another thing that they will occasionally do. And I know, I know way too much about this crap because I just have... I have no life and way too many friends who are dirtbag musicians. No offense. Uh, Thank you. And so one of the things that bands will sometimes do, because if you record a song that's a cover or the song that's in the public domain, uh, you know, you you don't really get a lot of money off of it because the royalties all go to somebody else. But what bands will sometimes do is they will take a known song and they will alter or augment it by writing new verses. Yes. Thus meaning that it is a new or partially new composition so that they can then uh, just money grub a huge chunk of the royalties. Uh, The Starland Vocal Band who did uh, Afternoon Delights. They did Afternoon Delight, but they did this terrible song called... They did this cover of La Bamba, and it was called Everybody La Bamba Now. And it was La Bamba, but with like five new stanzas added onto it, which meant that like part of it went to Richie Valens' estate, and then like 70% of it went back to them. So you'll hear that done with Christmas songs sometimes. They had a really bad TV show. The Starland Vocal Band? Yeah, you didn't know that? They actually had a TV show, and it didn't last very long. <laughs> Color me stunned. When... When and what did it consist of? It was a TV variety show, and it was so bad that I think it only lasted a few episodes. But see, I want to see that now. Because, I mean, A, it can't be as bad as the Star Wars Holiday Special. And B, just the whole notion that someone gave a Starland vocal band like a television program they is did. perversely fascinating and horrifying. And you know what that song is about, don't you? Afternoon Delight? I believe it's about making the sex. <laughs> the uh. intercourse. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, all right. So, oh, and I'd like to thank uh, whoever. Did one of you guys unplug my toaster oven and stick it out in the hallway? No. No. So I left. So I brought my toaster oven in yesterday because we were going to toast this tofurkey. Yeah, where's it at? 
The tofurkey or the toaster oven? Both. The I'm to- hungry. Okay, the tofurkey is in is in the refrigerator, and I had brought my toaster oven in because Tim Riley's like, you know, this this can't really be microwaved. You'll need a regular oven, and so I brought in my toaster oven. But we got so behind and so busy with everything yesterday, and we everybody with the drinking. We really just the, got busy with absolutely nothing. And the intoxication, <laughs> and everybody was just so plowed by the end of the program. We ended. It was a bad idea to start using the toaster oven yeah. by about two o'clock. That was a great. Everybody show. was like nine sheets to the wind. So I left the toaster oven and the tofurkey here last night thinking we would do it today. And I came in today and someone has taken my toaster oven and they've wrapped the quarter on it and they've like stuck it out on the hallway by the parking lot. Bozik's dog. <laughs> so probably. Bozik's so, dog. That's it a was smart there, dog. It was there a couple hours ago this morning. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll plug that in later on and do some uh, tofurkey. All right. Let's do, uh, we'll do a couple of these. We'll break. We'll come back. Jim Roop coming up later on. Uh, the new news hour. Taser watch. Brittany watch. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How might I amuse ye? Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, yeah, I was just calling about uh, that World War Z book. Yes. Yeah, um, since, you know, you say read, I read, so I, but I really didn't read it. <laughs> what if I, I say, read. what if I say kill? <laughs> uh, who? Okay, creepy. Uh, how, yes, World War Z. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't really read it because I don't have time with work and school, but I went and got the, um, audio book for it. Okay. And I got to say, that was, that book was just fantastic. The audio book is pretty great, actually, because it's, it's all done with different voice actors. It's got Mark Hamill, Henry Rollins, Alan Alda. I mean, when I thought, as, as I think, Max Brooks himself said, we interviewed him on the, on the show a couple weeks ago. Re- really, there is no other project on Earth that has both Hawkeye from MASH and the guy who sang for Black Flag. So uh, World War Z is a fantastic book. It's going to be a movie. Brad Pitt optioned the rights for it, and they're going to make a video game out of it at some point, too, which is a cause for many number of hosannas. Yeah, but I just got to say, what's up with, with China? I mean, stars, bird flu, zombie apocalypse, what? Uh, uh, Everything bad comes from point. China, my friend. There's just no getting yeah. around it at this point. So, uh, you know, what can you do? Yeah, if you read World War Z, that is where the zombie apocalypse originates. The patient zero for the zombie war is from China. So, uh, all right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, my friend. Okay. Thank you much. Thanks so much. Bye now. All right, there you go. Well, we should take a break. It's 503-733-2970. It is Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, we're here. We'll come back with James Roop, Timmy Ryan, more of your phone calls, top five, all that coming up. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-733-2970. You stay there. Rick Emerson radio program. It's Friday. Uh, this is what, the 23rd? Yes. Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. It's 503 733 2970. Coming up later on, CNN radio correspondent James Roof. Uh, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com uh, is going to be here. So I think it is the Misty's reviewing today because I think they reviewed Beowulf uh, last week, which I have yet to see. And which, frankly, I don't feel all that compelled to see. I mean, they gave me the glasses and everything, but it just doesn't. Has anyone here seen Beowulf? I have. Yes, no? I If it wasn't 3D, I wouldn't have gotten seen it. On the classic 1 to 10 scale, where do you put it? I'd say about a 6. All right. Yeah, and I just... And it struck I, a chord with me because I'm really big into Norse mythology, so... Yeah. Your tote board is going up with the members of the audience <laughs> right now. Things like that will endear you uh, to, the, uh, to the people who listen to this program. I think... I just think it's great that there's... 
Eh, never mind. I was just. I think it's great that there is like a weird CGI action-packed 3D IMAX film based upon some anonymous thing that was written on like a piece of willow bark in 700 or whatever. So, uh, speaking of CGI, guess what? The big movie that's going to be CGI that's going to be supposedly coming out next. Wait, hold on. Now, is this now is this a rumor or is this something you know to be true? This is in the making as we speak. Okay, is and it, it pisses it... me off too that they're doing it as CGI because the other movies of this uh, series were not done in CGI. Okay, well, well, hold on. Uh, so this is okay. This is uh, is this a remake or an original film? Well, uh, in other words, it's an, an, an it's adaptation an, exactly. of, of an existing work. Right. It's 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 the Hobbit. It's film number three. No, no. Um, Ghostbusters. Oh no no no. See, but I heard it's not going to be CGI. It's going to be a video game. No. Oh, they're going to have a video game. No no oh, no. Yes, but they're not doing it. Well, no, they're doing a video game. Yeah. But that's they're not doing a third film though. Yes I don't think. yes they are. That that is from the three sources that I'm hearing from. I'm going to look this up on IMDb. When you see three, are these three sources who have at as their middle name? I mean, no. where when you say sources, from whom did you hear this? You don't have to reveal who they are, but I'm saying who. What sources have ye, Tim Ryan? Lots and lots of sources. <laughs> There's an ointment for that. <laughs> uh, lots and lots of. I'm sorry. It's. I feel loopy today. I don't know what it is, man. And I wasn't even drunk yesterday. Like it in. I was just telling. No, that's. I didn't have. Sweet, any, sweet I didn't have any. Vitamins. The only thing that they have up there is a video game for 2008. There's a video game uh-huh. coming out, but I don't. I haven't heard anything about. Well, you know, Scott or Aaron, they'll be in the. CGI and it, and Bill Murray has also signed on to do some kind of voiceovers for the CGI, and right. as well as Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. I think you know they might let Ernie Hudson on set for a little while. You know, All right, because they have to. Uh, I did not have any Vicodin last night, just so I had Valium. There's a difference. There's oh, a strong difference. Okay. So you get off, uh. get off my back, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson program from Los Angeles. CNN Radio Forest. Oh. Spotted. Damn, I had such a big setup going there, too. That was really epic. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That really was like the very definition of a large overture and a little show right there. Yeah. That's like opening your paycheck, expecting a lot of money, and then it's like five bucks. Not that that ever happens to anybody in radio. No. No, no. because in radio you learn not to expect the money anyway. Like, you open it, five dollars, I can eat if the something. Check, if the check shows up, we're kind of happy. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. <clears throat> From Los Angeles. CNN Radio Correspondent and Golden God, James Roop. Hello, sir. Hola, senor. How are you, my friend? How's life? Happy day after Thanksgiving. How are you bearing up? It's wonderful. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Are you now, are you still out and about? Or are you, are yes, you, I'm uh, still at the uh, media, the town center mall in the media district. I'm so sorry, Jim. Now, <laughs> when they say, now, in the media district, do they have... Uh, no, nah, mean... just there's a lot of studios and crap like that. Okay, so this isn't like a like a fenced off section of the mall where you're ensconced. No. Okay. No, I get to walk freely among them. You get to... lucky you. Um, and so what? They didn't because we were talking to. I think it was uh, it might have actually been you that we were discussing this yesterday. I can't remember if it was McCarthy or not. That they a lot of these places were doing the midnight shopping. Did the town center mall open at midnight? No, it opened at four. Please tell me the people were lined up at four a.m. Yes, they were. Fantastic. I love this country. Here's here's my favorite guy. You ready for this? Yes, yes. Yeah, I... this this guy. And this was at about I don't know quarter to four. Uh, you're here today to look for search for what? What items are you looking for? Shoestring. <laughs> you're, you're here on the busiest day. You're here on the busiest shopping day, early. Yeah. To look for shoestrings. Yeah. Can to buy some shoestrings? Yeah. How much are you planning on saving? 
socks today on those shoestrings. Probably a lot. <laughs> Good luck to you, man. Thank you. That's what a moron. That's fantastic. Hey, he wasn't. He wasn't kidding. He he wasn't goofing off. Right? You know, he wasn't being a smartass. He was just going. I just came for shoelaces, man. And I mean, it, it, he must really have something that needs to be tied, like right now. Well, I tell you, he had these big dark sunglasses on, and it's quarter to four in the morning. Oh, I see. He's sitting in the parking lot of the mall. Like, uh, <laughs> like maybe the cheerleader was wriggling free of her bonds at home, and he Jelly. needed something else to restrain her. <laughs> it's crazy. I need some shoestring and some lie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And duct tape. And I'm a sorry, shovel. sir. Where, I was just going to say, where are your shovels and visqueen, please? <laughs> really. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and so, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to just do the stupid Seinfeld observational comedy about, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it's look, I got no problem with rampant consumerism. I'm an American. I own probably 90% of the crap I own I don't need. And I'm I'm fine with that. It's what makes this country. The same things that make America great are the same things, you know, the things that make this country ridiculous. And I'm I'm okay with that. But I... Here's the thing. I don't have any problem with, 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 with shopping, buying, spending, owning, consuming, processing, purchasing, wallowing, rolling around uh, you know, in consumer goods like a dog on a freshly cut lawn. I have no problem with that. Really, my problem, Jim, and I think I speak for both you and I and most of the people listening, my problem is just with the people. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, you always hear these stories about how... Elvis, uh, sort of at the height of his career, you know, because he couldn't really go anywhere, and he he grew really paranoid, and and so Elvis would uh, he would have one of the members of the Memphis Mafia go out, and they would rent out an entire shopping center or a movie theater for a day, yeah. a and Elvis's people they would just go and they go look, the king wants to come watch a movie, or the king wants to try come buy a water bed or something. Here's fifty grand. We want to run of the place for like five hours. And I'm telling you, someday, if I ever do acquire massive amounts of personal wealth, that's what it's going to be used for. Oh, yeah. Is to make sure that no matter where I go, it is bereft of other human beings. I mean, it, it was nutty. It's just absolutely... I'm not a shopper. I'm a buyer. I know where the one thing is I need. I, I go get it, and I get out. I, people who walk around with no real plan, just looking at stuff... And when you're with a woman, they got to touch everything on the rack in every store. Yeah, that's right, Kristen, in your face. And I feel so bad for these guys. Yeah. Who, oh, in fact, and hang on a second here. I talked to a few of them. These poor slobs. Do you want to be here? No. And I see this every year. There's always a guy sitting on the bench looking back over his shoulder at a store that his wife or daughter or somebody's in. How about you? Yes, the same thing, yeah. <laughs> so... You're not real thrilled to be here, are you? No. I, I talked to so many guys like that. And he's just got that look on his face like, kill me. No, I don't want to be. And they, Hold they, in my brain. They got, seriously, they got that deer in the headlight look in them, man. It's like, holy crap. Oh, I know. Yeah. Poor that, guys. It, no, it's true. And I, it, and, you know, and of course, and there's all the other, it really is like in the movie Dawn of the Dead, where it is it is no coincidence that zombies all go to the shopping center, because there's so many people... <laughs> Really, I mean, because I mean, it, 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 there's all and there's all of these. Now I am just becoming a stupid stand-up comic, but there's all of these archetypes, these people that you only see at the mall, and it, like there's the elderly people that have like the wrist weights, they are color coordinated to their ankle weights that get there at 7 a.m. just to walk the perimeter of the mall before anything. Like all the gates are all still down, like the food court didn't open, and they're walking the perimeter of the mall with like some sort of weird enclosed consumerist Logan's Run. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So you are a stronger man than I am. That's all I can say. No, I'm just the observer here, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I get to come into the, you know, they open this little office for me to, to, to sit in. Right. You know?
know, to do these reports and stuff, and, and I don't have to stay out in the mall. Here's, I just go out there, talk to a few people, and retreat. Here's my, here's my, then you go back to your bunker. Yeah. My, my, my last observation about it is this, is that I used to, and I'll, I'll admit this, I used to actually, I used to go out and go to shopping centers and malls on the day after Thanksgiving because it was sort of, because malls are really fascinating to me, and I really do, I really do love shopping centers in a weird way. For the same reason, and this makes me sound flat out weird, I'm, I'm sure. But my friend Todd and I, um, guy I used to work with years ago, it, it, we had this. One of the things we bonded over as friends is that he and I discovered that we both liked going and just sometimes. This does make me sound creepy now that I think about it. We both enjoyed sometimes just going to airports or hospitals, and just sort of. Like walking around because I was always into places that are open and bustling and, and you know 24 hours a day. I always liked stuff that was always open, and uh, so. It, but you flash forward to now where I no longer get like going to the shopping center on the day after Thanksgiving. It's sort of like an airport now where I used to enjoy traveling, but now I don't because they've just it has become such a huge pain and such a colossal just thorn in your ass to try to get anything done that I no longer enjoy traveling because the airport is just one gauntlet of stupidity and inconvenience. So it now is with the shopping center as well. So all of the places that I used to enjoy just going to kind of look at humanity, just to go and just watch people, it, it just becomes such, such a massive inconvenience and headache that it is, uh, yeah, it's, I'm with you. I just get done what I need to get done either before or after uh, today, uh, and then I just and I retreat back home and turn the deadbolt you know what i've done before and it works is christmas eve midnight yeah toys r us is open <laughs> you can and you know what you get the toys r us 15 minutes and a charge card and hey. especially if your kids are of a certain age you could you can immensely satisfy them with anything that is sufficiently large and makes either a squeaking or an exploding noise or just my, a box my, yeah my first son my wife got so pissed at me my first son he was what uh, he had still had the price tag on it. Must have been just a couple of months old, and um, it, it, Christmas rolled around, and I bought him a pillow. And Rosie, Rosie said, "What's your problem?" I said, "The kid doesn't even know he's alive. You know, I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy him something that's going to cost him. Here's a pillow, something that, new in his crib for Christ's sake. Well, he doesn't care. That's fantastic. Well, that's like you know those. We're on a totally different subject now, but that's like those people that will throw some massive nine thousand dollar birthday party for the kid's second birthday or yeah. something. And you really just have to, you know, you just have to kind of write those people off. Mentally. My kid's sixteen. He's never had a birthday party. Good for you. All right. Hey, before we go, can you, one more time, can you play me the shoelace guy? Oh, man. Okay, here's the shoelace Wait, wait, wait. i got to find it now. What, and now, what what time was he at the mall today for the shoelace? You know, I don't know that I can find it now. Hang oh, on a second here. All right. Because it's in the mix of it. Wait a minute. Oh, here he is. You're here okay. on the busiest day. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Wait, hang on. Here How you doing? Good. Uh, you're here today to look for, search for what? What items are you looking for? Shoestring. Wait a minute. You're... You're here on the busiest day. You're here on the busiest shopping day, early, yeah. to look for shoestrings. Yeah. Can to buy some shoestrings? Yeah. How much are you planning on saving today on those shoestrings? Probably a lot. <laughs> Good luck to you, man. Thank you. That is fantastic. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. It's a beautiful well, world, babe. Jim Roop, uh, enjoy the rest of your day, of course. And uh, as always, it is a pleasure. Are you on uh, Monday? 
Uh, actually, I'm, I'm off next week. Okay, you are off next week. So enjoy your holiday, uh, what remains of this weekend, and enjoy next week. And uh, we will have speaks with you in the immediate future then. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Survive the rest of the day as well you can. Bye-bye. All right, bye now. There you go. See you in a radio correspondent, James Roop. Well done. That's wonderful. All right, uh, let's see. It's been a couple of days. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir or madam, as the case may be. Rick, did you see who it was? I'm sorry, I'm not looking at the screen. Wait, hold on. Uh, all right, there you go. Hey, what's up? Hey, it's Eastman. Good to talk oh, to you, Oh, Eastman, is this, uh, this is Noah. This is Noah. Noah, oh. who came out of the East to battle the amazing Rando. Rando. Yeah, he's a little, just a little bad, uh, bit of backstory here. So Noah is uh, originally from Buffalo, New York, correct? Right. Uh, listened to uh, this program back when we were doing sort of a terrible syndicated version of the show and has checked in with us a few times a year over, God, it's almost a decade now. Jesus Christ, I'm old. Uh, has checked in with us uh, going on, what, eight, nine years now? This is uh, like the ninth year that you have called in. Yeah, it makes me feel older, too. But I started listening to you back when I was uh, finishing up my senior year at oh. uh, the University of Buffalo. It was 1999, Yahoo Broadcast, Portland to Portland. Yes, and so what? how old were you when you started listening? Uh, I was finishing college, so I just turned 21, I guess. How old are you now? 29. Oh, boy. That's like occasionally, this is not quite as bad. Uh, with you, but sometimes I have had more than one uh, listener who I've met who started listening to me when they were in high school. I have had at this point, because I was on in Salt Lake and then I moved around and I was doing the syndicated thing and I'm here and I'm whatever, um, I, I actually had a woman call me one time and she told me that she started listening to me when she was just heading into high school from 8th grade and she's like, and now I'm finishing college. And it's like, I, I feel like a tree that you want to cut open and you want to count the rings, you know, and there's about a thousand of them in there because I just feel freaking old. So I know. I, I remember you, you've told similar stories. Kids that started high school and they're finishing college. Uh, I, know, I know it's not as bad now being out of school, but uh, I know that where those years have gone. Well, well where are you now? Are you, uh, you still in New York, brother? I still am in New York. I live now where I originally from. Uh, I didn't want to correct you a moment ago. I'm originally from the New York City area. Okay. I went to school and lived in Buffalo for those years. Excellent. Anyways, uh, I wanted to first off thank anyone who was part of one of the mugs for Rick, the cups to get you back in the air. I was reading the story. I've seen the films on your site. That's a really cool story. Yeah, the uh, the coffee cup crusade that was started by some listeners when, let's see, the last time we got fired, uh, and they started dropping off uh, coffee cups and what have you and whatnot at the, the radio station. And uh, that What is with you and your loyalty of your fan base? That was the first question they asked you. I just I love that story because I remember hearing it'll take a lot of coffee cups to get Rick back on the air. Yeah, that was that was the Oregonian. Uh, not to just be all about the glory of me, but the the last time we got fired, the Oregonian ran this piece about the show, and they uh, they ran a little article about the format change with a picture of me. By the way, using the only good photo of me that has ever been taken. The, the photograph of me in that article is great. And I, I had it taken about six years ago, and that is the only photograph I allow anybody to publish uh, associated with this program. It's the only good picture of me ever taken. But the caption underneath it was like, it'll take a lot of coffee cups to save Rick Emerson's job. Like, re you know, read, this is pointless and futile. Uh, but the listeners dropped off coffee cups, blah, 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 and then it got the attention of CBS Radio, which is how we ended up uh, here at uh, KCMD Portland. So, yes. Well, uh, the nostalgia and the talk was great, but I wanted to ask you, I know you get tons of email, and you respond to most of it. I wrote you a few weeks ago remar remarking about this uh, it's being it's the shopping season and everyone's Black Friday. I don't have it, but I've seen the Guitar, you know, guitar Hero and Guitar Hero 2 games. There's plenty of videos on the Internet. Can I just tell you this, by the way, while we're talking about that? There really ought to be some sort of hillbilly version of that called Guitar Hero. Where it really is just you playing Carl Perkins uh, and, uh, and, you know, and uh, like Dwight Yoakam songs. 
I'm and sorry. Go ahead. The, uh, you can get the moonshine jug attachment accessory. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what is what is your question about Guitar Hero? Well, uh, it's not really about Guitar Hero. You know, they made that other game, uh, Rock Band, I've seen now. You know, yes, commercials sir. for that. Yes. I'm just wondering, are we are we getting a little, do you think we're getting a little too far away from real music and uh, just going all the virtual side? Well, and I uh, I kind of joked in there. I said, uh, you know, if Lester Bangs was around today, what do you think he'd say about the way we've respected music? We've gone from a from cool to an industry of cool to you know to greed, and now at least greed had taste. Now we have all promotion. I suppose. I mean, the thing about now, I've seen. I'll tell you this. Um, a, I have to say, we have a little bit of a vested interest because uh, we gave, we have done a bunch of promotions on this show for for Rock Band the game. Which I got to tell you this. In terms of video games, I mean, it's a badass game. It really is. And I know a lot of active, like actual very talented musicians. I got a friend of mine. I won't say his name. I had a friend of mine who's a very very gifted guitar player who is at one point was so into Guitar Hero Two that he would. When he would get done playing Guitar Hero 2 and he would have to go play a show with his band, he would actually have to have this like 10-minute Mr. Miyagi moment backstage where he would have to clear his brain and try to remember to play the guitar normally and not just to be jabbing like the four buttons. Um, the, great thing, here, this is, the great thing about Rock Band, though, is there's, with Rock Band you can do vocals, guitar, bass, and drums. The great thing about Rock Band is the, I'm not going to say it's the same thing, but the drums in Rock Band uh, come very, very close to if you to if you were to play like a small like they used to play little like Sonic kits or whatever it was like it was like a small electronic drum kit that you could essentially learn on that was like a starter kit the drums and the drums and rock band are very very similar to that so anyway I don't know you know what the guys are always going to find ways to blow hundreds of dollars on things that go beep beep blink in their living room so you know what well, can I you do I think it's great but I mean this is coming from someone who remembers seeing Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man in the arcade so we've come a long way you really do have to watch that kind of talk because that's going to signal to girls that you're old you have to watch that kind of language because otherwise girls are going to go oh you're you're really ancient great right. talking to you Rick alright my brother enjoy the east coast there you thank go you. east man there you go all right, that is uh, Noah, who, yeah, he's called me like twice a year, every year for about a decade now. Uh, and That's he, pretty cool. He really only he calls when he's on vacation or when he was out of school or whatever. And, yeah, he first started calling me yeah, right as he was right as he was about 20 or 21, so he's almost 30 now. Jesus. I'm bubbling up right now. I'm about to bubble over. All this Guitar Hero talk is just kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of making me, it's making me mad because you have American Idol, which is just, you know, effing the music scene. And then you have Guitar Hero. Kids aren't even learning to play an instrument. They're learning to play a fake instrument. <coughs> Curmudgeon. <laughs> it's true. You really you sound a lot older you than really you really do. are. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I was just going to say, all you really need is, like, big eyebrows and go, whatever happened to the Stradivarius? No, I'm serious. I mean, where kids used to, like, you know, musicians used to strive for, you know, genius. Now all they want to do is get on American Idol and, you know, throw their band to the wayside or play, you know, Rock star or guitar hero, whatever the hell you nerds. Know. I did hear. <laughs> I resent that. Tim. I like how I'm a how I'm automatically lumped into it just because I own an Xbox and B. I don't really care because it, you know it. I it doesn't really matter to me because I figured that there's always been you know there's always been toy instruments there's always been whatever and you know yeah it, but it's there, either... there hasn't always been mediocrity though. No, that's not true. That's a lie. Mediocrity. That, that is the voice of an old person. Is that's what that always is. Um, things were better when I, Timmy Ryan, was fifteen. <laughs> they were. Rock was better. Well, I could tell people you that. respected their elders. Well, now. And the grass is green. That I, is not true. The, the big albums when I was fifteen were uh, Seven Mary Three. Are you really talking like this? 
Are you really Green talking Day. about how music was better when you were growing up? And uh, We weren't even out of our 20s yet, Tim. Come dude. on. Stone Temple Pilots were still kicking ass back then, too, oh. when I was 15. Oh, please. You cannot go on about how mediocrity is rampant now and then cite as an example the fact that you were really into the Stone Temple Pilots. Were great. 1995 please. was a great year for music. Yeah, all right. Whatever you say, friend. All right, we can take a break here. We'll come back with some true mediocrity around the corner where you got the little Christmas tune we're going to roll for you here in a few. It's 503 2970. Oh, yeah. So great. Whatever happened to the zither? Uh, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show, the new news hour ahead. Salutations. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. We are live. It's 503-733-2970. There's a weird vibe in the air today. The freaking shoelace guy in Los Angeles. And Jim Roop, who I think is about half loaded at the moment. And Tim Ryan bitching about guitar here. And then during the break, going back to how you want to get it on with Callista Flockhart. And... I didn't bring that up. That was Chris who brought that up. Brought it up. I, no, 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 I didn't. No, I pointed out that... When was the last time you shaved? He's got a nice neck beard going on. You do, you do. <laughs> you really do like you ought to be. You look like you ought to be clutching a paper bag somewhere and sort of. <laughs> Unburdened. Hey, Mister, I don't have my ID. Can you buy me some smokes? I'll make it worth your while. You do kind of have that look going Give on. Give me today. about five years. I'll be there. I will be under the the Burnside Bridge. I'll be like, yep. I used to do news. I used to be on the radio. Yeah. All right, it's 503. There, are, there probably is a shelter. There's probably a homeless shelter at this point that is solely filled with radio people. There is a radio person only uh, homeless enclave, probably. Yeah, and there's like a fake radio studio that really doesn't work. <laughs> but it's got like turntables and reel to reel players. And, to make know, them feel like, like they're right. still worth something. <laughs> <laughs> this is so depressing. I have not lost touch with society, no. Uh, all right, coming up later on, we got the top five. Scott Daly will be in from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, Brittany, watch, taste, watch, penis, watch, all that. Ladies and gentlemen, please pay heed. In for Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, it is Timmy Ryan. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Did you know my... Ghetto name used to be Big Pimpin'. It was. You should be embarrassed by that. Moving on. Is that your Wu-Tang name? I used to have a <laughs> Wu-Tang name. There was, this, there was this website, one of those sort of, you know, just internet memes that went around a while back where it was, uh, you know, that everybody forwarded to everybody else. And there was this website that would give you your Wu-Tang Clan name. What was your Wu-Tang name? I can't Oh, my name, my Wu-Tang name was Crafty Bernardo. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Tim Riley's Tim Riley's Wu-Tang name was Dependable Skeleton. That's the one I remember, because I was jealous of it, because that was, like, way better than mine. Well, when I was in Compton, they just called me the T-Dog. Moving forward, here's Timmy Ryan with the news. All right. A federal jury in Medford, that's in Oregon, has awarded a former postal worker $258,000 for emotional damage after she claimed she suffered years of verbal abuse by the Medford Postmaster. The 39-year-old Gail Santori sued the U.S. Postal Service after she was fired two years ago after complaining that Postmaster, and I love this guy's name, Jim Focalt, verbally abused her 
and some other employees. Wait, wait, did she work at the post office? Yeah, she worked there. Now, oh, this, so it wasn't like he was just coming by her house and berating her and leaving. Right, I and mean, this this was her boss. Now, this is the payoff here, okay? Okay. Now, most companies, you know, this guy would have been gone a long time ago. They would have, they just would have got rid of him. All right, several postal workers testified against Focalt during the two-week trial. A postal investigation back in 2002 showed Focalt would routinely change employees' shifts to deny them consecutive days off. However, Bocalt is still working for because, the Medford Post Office. Of course, because he's a government employee and therefore cannot be. I have to tell you, and it's one of those things where you you really are of two minds about it because on the one hand you recognize, I've told this, uh, let me see. There's to, nothing you could do to get fired from the post well, office. And, and well, it's not I'll just, say it. It's not just the post office. Well, look, we got lots of government employees who listen to this program. And for the most part, I'm just really envious of it because... Um, because there's just nothing you could do. I mean, you could you could show up to work dragging a bag of severed heads behind you, and it's you know. But it, you know, whatever. I mean, it, you know, you sign the contract. You're there for life. They can't. If you work at the DMV, you could show up dressed in your mother's skin, and they couldn't fire you right. because you're just you know, it's a job for life. It literally takes like an act of Congress. It does. It? I actually, we know a few people. There are a few friends of this program who, literally, know the hyperbola. Uh, it would literally take an act of either the governor or of the state legislature to fire them. I I will not uh, identify uh, the subject of this next uh, little, little little observation, but there is somebody uh, we know, and I'll just I just I don't want to get anybody in trouble. There's somebody we know who works at a state agency, and there is a person at this. There's a coworker who they had to move. It, it, they had to move like way in the back of the office because apparently several times a day she just starts sobbing uncontrollably at her desk and just starts putting her head down on the desk and just weeping for 10 or 15 minutes like in these violent like crying convulsions and then just sits up and like straightens herself up and like gets back to data entry or whatever and she does this three or four times a day three or four times a week and has for about five years just about every 90 minutes she'll just <laughs> and just and I'm like, well, why? I'm like, what did you do? And they're like, well, we can't fire her, so we just put her way back by the mail room because they just can't get rid of her. That's kind of cool, though, because she wouldn't be able to work anywhere else, no. really. Nobody no, else so, would stand that. No, so instead I get to pay her salary. <laughs> so the solution was just to put her back where, like, the customers, you know, like the public couldn't see her. So, I mean, it's easy to be resentful about that, but, I mean, in radio you can only dream of that kind of job I security. I think that the Postal Service should just hire the uh, greeters from Walmart. Well, they can never get fired either. Those greeters at Walmart, it's like that is, greeting at Walmart is sort of like, uh, you know, how you hear about in some indigenous cultures, how they would just, you know, like, the grandma gets to be old, we kick her out on an ice floe, you know, but now you don't do that. Now they go and they stand at Walmart and they, you know, and they gum you a hello and they shake your hand and whatever and... Then he walked. You a hell. Yeah, hello, thanks for coming in. And, you know, and they just uh, smell of Ben Gay and stool and, you know, and that's kind of what, that's their deal. But, you know, God love them, you know. So even, to, even the elderly have their place. Yeah, so, so to wrap it up, basically, um, if you're inefficient, slow, you have mental problems, or you like to abuse your fellow employees, go, go to work, Medford. Go to Medford and go to the post office. They will, open, <laughs> they will welcome you. With uh, open arms. We have many, many postal carriers who work for this program. And to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, they're all uh, they're all pretty efficient. But Medford, I've known more than a few people who have moved here from Medford, and there does seem to be something a little lead-filled in no, the water. Postal down there. carriers. The postal carriers are great. I mean, they're pretty much spot on. When you're going to get your mail, you know when you're going to get it. They're kind of consistent. But if you go to the post office, going to the post office is something that 
I, I my stomach gets sick over that. I I have to plan just to go get a stamp. Sometimes I think twice about it. I'm like, do I really want to head into there? Do I need to mail this that badly? No. Do I really need to sit for the next hour? Why the guy wearing Birkenstocks and a beard? I have uh, to process my information well, now. Well, and it's just and uh, you know and uh, I'm just um, let's see how do I put this. Well, I will tell you this, that there's a, a post office near my home where they did remove the last remaining uh, option uh, to make things easier. They did actually take out the stamp vending machine recently. Why? So Because they want to force me to talk to people. And so, and as, and as I think Henry Rollins once noted, he talked about how, and this is the same thing with the DMV, where you've got to figure, like, did you ever notice this, that every time you go to the post office at the DMV, and I'm not talking about the employees, I'm talking about the customers. Every time you go to the post office or to get your driver's license or whatever, everybody waiting in line with you is ugly and dumb. Every one of them. They're all... Never anybody hot. No, and, but, and you wonder, like, well, where is the DMV that, like, all of the normal intelligent people, like us, go to? Yeah, because you're thinking... Because you have that thought. Like, you're, I am the only... Everyone here is a moron. And you wonder if there's some, like, secret, hidden DMV that at some point, if you become... Or the clean... People who don't smell go. Yeah, well, and if you become like smart enough or famous enough or did, rich enough that somebody like tap you on the shoulder, like let me let me show you about this secret post office we got around the back, because you're always in line behind someone who is trying to mail like a hyena and doesn't have enough duct tape, and then and you're sitting there look and you've always and you've always got your package ready to go, right? You've all it's wrapped, string, sealed, every you just sure. need to you know, but, but then you're behind some guys. So uh, when I I got the one package that's going to Duluth, and then, um, well, this other one's going to Akron. Where's Akron? Is Akron first? Can I send that first class? What about one of them padded mailers? No, 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 the one, no, not that one. No, 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 let, no, let, no, no, that, no, there, right. No, do you have, now, do you have that with the Twitty Bird design? And you're, and, and you're standing behind them, and you can feel Mr. Hand becoming Mr. Fist, and you just, it, it's all you can do not to kill them and bury them in some sort of a shallow pit out back. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the holiday season. And uh, I think you're now blacklisted from every post office in the Portland metro area. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to let you in. No. All right. Anyway, here's uh, Timmy Ryan. Let's do a Britney watch. Here's your Britney watch uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. A month to the day after its release, Britney Spears' album Blackout, it's just about blacked out. Now, it was uh, because it debuted at... First, they claimed it was number... Well, they claimed it was number one, and then... It turns out that that Eagles record beat it at the last minute. I think that William Hung guy, though, had a number one album at some point. So it, it doesn't take a lot to be number one anymore. No, it doesn't. Well, because number one is such a... The people here... This is the great and dangerous thing about you and I being on the show at the same time together, because you and I will just sit and just get off into some weird... Like nine layers deep uh, uh, musical discussion that yes. just goes like so far beneath what the average person probably cares about. But I, people hear number one record and they think that that means a lot, and it really does. And all it means is you manage to outsell the other people. But if everybody else only sells five records and you sell nine, 
then you're number one. Right. It, it, Everything it, is so mediocre well, it's like right when now. When a radio station claims to be number one, there's so many different other factors to consider. Especially, well, yeah, especially now because I think that the that God, I mean, I think now the all-time record for first week sales is still held by No Strings Attached, which is that NSYNC record, which is, I think, 1.1 million. But I think the last, God, what did I see the other, it was something a couple weeks ago that debuted at number one, but it was like some staggeringly low number. It was like 190,000 copies or something. Right. So it just, it, anyway, so the, the Britney uh, was number two. The next week she was number seven. So where is she now? Gosh, I'm, I'm really happy about this. Uh, she is number 59. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm talking that's, about. That's according to Amazon.com. And when she debuted, she was number one. She was right up there. So she's 59. Yep. Uh, as of this morning, she's at 59 on Amazon.com. And it's also 13 on iTunes. Oh, that's... So, yeah, pretty much she's tanking. Well, and I, I mean, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago when that record first came out that, um, uh, but I listened to it all the way through, and it's like as as dance pop goes, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's you know, it's very it 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 is a very kind of bland. It is a very predictable kind of bland. And I you know what? And, and it has nothing to do with Britney, obviously. It's you know, it's the Neptunes and it's Timberland and all those guys that put those tracks together. They're good at what they do. It's just not all that interesting. And I I have no problem with teen pop. It's just sort of. It's just sort of there, and I mean, there's just nothing remarkable about it in any way, especially because about, I, I don't know, I would say of like, I think the 12 tracks on that album, I think like nine, nine or ten of them are Britney still trying to put on like this sultry, sexy, like look how hot I am. Which, which she's not. Which just, like once you've read that story in OK Magazine about her sitting there wiping chicken grease on her dress, and like pulling out and like picking scabs on her face while being interviewed. Are multiple pictures of her wearing those horrible cutoffs with the pockets hanging out? Seriously, more cottage cheese than a dairy farm. I mean, yeah, it's just it doesn't, honey. It, there comes a time when it just doesn't work. You got to knock it off. You know, so. like I've been saying all along, I think the day is growing pretty close to where. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally bleeping that. <laughs> I'm totally bleeping that that J word. That's just that's wrong. You can't say that. I can't say that. You can, but I, I did. You can, but I didn't let you. <laughs> um, well, we've we've had an ongoing discussion on this program about whether about whether she will whether she will fade away like Lindsay Lohan is doing. Because there's really only three paths for Britney. Maybe four. There is the unlikely comeback. No, there is no. the there is the fade away like Lindsay Lohan. Because Lindsay Lohan is not. I mean, she, she's not really flaming out as such. She's just gradually receding, in, you know, into into the ether as somebody that we don't. Really I care know what's going to happen to her. She's uh, going to she's going to pop out like two or three kids, and then she's going to be a family mom. Are we talking about Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what'll happen. Well, let me just let me give you the four options, right. and then I'll give you my Lindsay Lohan thoughts. Okay. So, so Britney Spears will either a unlikely come back, b the slow fade away, uh, c uh, accidental overdose and death. That would uh, be horrible. D Intentional overdose and death. Um, also horrible. And everybody on the, like, we've talked about how we're all sort of on the uh, the last two. We all think that it's just like I, I, I think, have a feeling she'll be the next Anna Nicole. Oh yeah, I, I really think, do. I think Sarah said three months and Tim said six and I said nine. So stuff. So coming up at about February, we're all going to be keeping an eye uh, an eye on the daily newspaper. The thing about here's what's going to happen with Lindsay Lohan, and this is my prediction. Lindsay Lohan, who is still, I mean. Moderately attractive and moderately. No, uh, no I'm, I'm no. saying I think you could clean her up at this point. That's all I'm saying. You give her the good derm abrasion. You give her a good scrubbing. You know, you just you, you keep her under lock and key for a while. Let some things regenerate. She's young enough to where she, she might be able to bounce back a little bit. I think at this point, 
if you are a guy who is moderately successful and wealthy, meaning not like Google rich, but maybe like uh, Alta Vista rich, you know, your guy's got, you know, you you got some money, you're not massively successful. She's sort of a discount trophy wife at this point. Lindsay Lohan, like if you're in the liquor store, she's not the Captain Morgan. She's the Admiral Nelson down towards the floor. Yeah. She'll never get to Harry Morton status. No, yes. that's what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, she's, no. she's a discount trophy wife for the Here's right the guy at this her. point. She, everything must go. She's a redhead, which means she has kind of like the pale skin. But she has spent a lot of time tanning and in the sun, and she's already getting that crispy reptile skin. Uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but a lot, I a lot have of an crisp, inherent fear of oh, skin like that. A lot, of women, a lot of women, especially, you know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I don't mean to be speaking bad about my mom necessarily, but my mom grew but, up and yet behold, in Southern <laughs> California and, you know, tan and all that stuff. And I'm not saying she's getting crispy reptile skin, but mighty big of you. Pretty close. And Lindsay Lohan has already had it. She's already getting it. Women who drink a lot get that, too. Do they, Kristen? Yeah. I don't drink a lot. Uh-huh. Hey, Kristen, can I see your arm? <laughs> I have to, when I was on the uh, plane flight uh, back from London a few weeks ago, they were showing, um, they only had two movies to show, both of them awful, of course, which is why I was glad I had this little thing, uh, this is not a plug, but I have this thing that's called, it's got a creative zen, it's like, a, it's like an iPod, basically, but it does, um, it does video. And so I just, you know, I was like watching my own crap that I brought with me, which is great because the only two things they were showing were Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer, which is like the worst. Three times they showed that on the plane. Twice on the way there, once on the way back. I'm sorry. Oh, it's awful. I mean, not even it can't even be redeemed by Jessica Alba because I just don't care that much at this point. Why can't they show a good porno on a flight? Well, see, I'm telling you, they, the time is coming when flights are going to have to offer a little bit more, and they will offer something like the in-room movies at your hotel, where you'll get the little virtual reality visor, like the big Yoko Ono thing that you put on the glasses, and it'll show you whatever your film is. The other movie they were showing was Georgia Rule. A, ah. Jane Fonda is now so old and withered, and she was really, I mean, there was a time when she was just hot as balls. I mean, she was at Barbarella on Golden Pond. She was hot in that movie. She was even hot on Golden Pond. Uh, uh, the China Syndrome, she was hot. She looked like she has been carved out of a piece of old mahogany at this point. I did not even recognize that it was her until the closing credits. Uh, Felicity Huffman was in it. She's hot. And then Lindsay Lohan, she's in the movie, and she was that hot, but you can tell it's that very carefully maintained hot. Like about every 15 seconds, a guy probably had to run on from offset and spackle her down with something. You know what I mean? Just to sort of keep everything from sort of falling apart. Like how it was with Anna Nicole Sand in the paper to uh, sand down her... Uh... Her reptile skin. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, so there you go. Brittany is where on the charts now? She is number 59 on Amazon.com and Piece of Me. That's her new single. And actually, I think you predicted that would be her next single. I did call that that was is her next registering single. as only the 37th most downloaded single on iTunes. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty low. It's really, really low. So there you go. Her new album. There's your uh, Brittany watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. There's your uh, Brittany watch. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Rick, how's it going today? Hello, sir. No, you were hit it on the head with the post office and the DMV thing. Yeah. But including that bunch, also the bank is about the same smell. 
uh, I always get the problem child in front of me at the teller trying to refinance their house at the teller window, <laughs> that sort of thing. Totally. There's like a guy in front of you, and, you know, and you're just there, and all you've got is like one check to cash, or like you have a, like a debit card you need activated, and the guy in front, it, yeah. and the guy in front of you says, "Yeah, I have one question in 37 parts, uh, you know." <laughs> I have the following 19 transactions I would like to enact. Or can yes. I cash in these $500 in pennies? Exactly. Totally. <laughs> can you roll these for me? I'll wait. Oh, here's my change. Yeah. I'm in no hurry. No. And also, for your stamps thing, so you don't have to talk to people, you can get those out of an ATM, too. So. Is that true? Can you buy stamps at like ATMs where? Like at all banks? Well, I bank with U.S., but I would assume most of them do it. That's a fantastic idea, because the thing is, stamps now have become... Here's what stamps have become. Stamps have become one of those things that you don't need as often as you used to, but when you do need a stamp, it's imperative now because it's usually because you're mailing a package or mailing something because there's still like some government agencies and stuff where you can't pay online. You've got to send out the – so like you don't have – because you're not like sending a lot of postcards or anything these days. You're emailing everything. But if you do need a stamp, it's because they're about to foreclose on your home and like you need to get the payment off like today. Like yesterday. Right. I want to know. I want to know where these secret branches are that you mentioned, though. I'm, I'm doing some research on I'm that. I'm looking. I just am looking forward to the day when I can just have the mark of the beast tattooed on my hand, and I can just use that for all my transactions. Oh, cool. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right. There you go. Uh, it is Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. We're live. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Why? Hello. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Uh, observation about the DMV. Uh, you're wondering why everyone in there, except for yourself, seems like a Cretan. I think it's yes. because the type of people that are at the DMV that you see are the type of people that are there quite often because they're here either, A, uh, they need to prove that they have insurance because they were pulled over without it after they got a DUI, yes. or they're playing musical Craigslist cards because they always blow up, so they've got to get a temporary tag, uh -huh. or, you know, just, just that kind of that kind of thing. I think that's the reason why everyone in there just seems worthless. I <laughs> I guess so, and I like how you cut right to the chase. You don't you you don't have to just describe them as somehow right. disadvantaged or. Uh... I mean, I'm only, I'm only in there every you know a few years to get a new license, and you know every other few years to you know if I've got a new car. But other than that, I have no other reason to step in there. Whereas everyone else, you, you know, know, just, a... you know, they want to get their ID card because their license was taken away, but they still want to go to the bar down the street. Well, a, that's where a, you go. It's a fair point actually, and it does sort of remind you like the few. Th I, as I've gotten older, I've learned to become a better driver at it because I just got sick of going to traffic court. But when exactly. you go to traffic yeah. court, man, and that is like. That is like the lowest conceivable rung of humanity when you are sitting there in traffic oh, court in Gresham. I was, I was just there a few months ago and it was dude. hell. And I know, and it's just, and it's just, uh, I mean, it really is like just someone has spun some sort of a genetic centrifuge for all of Southeast Portland, and just the very <laughs> lowest detritus has all showed up there, and they're all called ahead of you. You're, you're, yep. They all get called up to talk to the judge before you do, which yeah. is, on the one hand makes you late, but on the other hand, it is sort of like having a mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom view of like the, the Clackamas demographic, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so one, one other thing before I go. Yes, uh, remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about art. I mentioned my my dad's uh, photograph of a Russian soldier. You are the guy who I'm, called. Yeah, you, had, you yeah. had this great photograph that your dad took of some soldiers at Red Square, right? Right. Well, I, I was well. Correction on that. I just talked to him at uh, Thanksgiving, and it's it's not Red Square. It's Lenin's tomb. Okay. And it's it's there was like it was like two soldiers, but he just got the shot of the one. And he's and, he, and he's looking right at the camera. Correct. And yeah. then we're working on digitizing that so we can get that to you somehow. Thank so. you, sir. Excellent. I appreciate it, my friend. Hey, no problem. All right. You have a good weekend. 
All right, later. Thank you. All right, fantastic. That's a good point. The last time I was in traffic court, I was sitting next to a single mom who was wearing (laughs) – She was wearing this button-up blouse that was unbuttoned all the way – Sexy. Yeah, and going, somebody told me if I show a little bit of skin, they'll let me off. And I was like, okay. Nah. Good deal, honey. Show your reptile skin. <laughs> the only people that have to go to traffic court are the people who don't know how to bribe a cop properly. But that brings up a good point. How do celebrities renew their license? I We actually had this discussion a while back because we were talking about Britney Spears, actually, and her driver's license. And I was I asked that same question. I said, you know, if you're Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or whoever, like, where? And, and my theory was that they that they actually have, like, a notary public-type person who does, like, an in-call thing, that they will come to your home so you don't have to be whatever. But, but I, actually, now that I think about it, I don't really know the answer. Hey, here's another question. So, and it is a Friday, and I know that, you know, there's X number of people listening and X number of people who are gone and X number of people who are, for whatever that stupid parade thing that's happening downtown. But here's a question. So, uh, my wife's driver's license expired, and then she went to the DMV to get her new license a while back. And they, it's now, did you know this, that it's now like a two-week turnaround to get your license? Yeah, they, they mail give, it they to give you. like a paper one. They gave her a paper, yeah, like, yeah. A, yeah. like a paper Xerox, like... And my point is, A, why does it take two weeks to get your license now? And B, why would they give you something that is so clearly and easily, like, duplicable? I mean, it's, it's, it, you could be running copies of that off, you know. At the, at the, I'll uh, tell you why, because office. every so often, government agencies have to do things to slow up the process even more so to make you think that they're doing something. That's why. They have to complicate the process even more so people go, aha. Uh-huh. The DMV really is doing something. But theoretically, they're doing this to combat identity theft, but then they mail it to you. And for us who live in Southeast Portland, that's, hello. Oh, oh yeah, no, I mean, seriously. People don't steal things out of mailboxes ever. No, of course. I mean, again, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, I trust the post office. I really do. But they can only do so much. Once they put it in my mailbox, then it's just, you know. Yeah. Just, the, the jackals just come out of my neighborhood. But I, But it just doesn't, I don't really understand because the last time I got a license, which was, which was after 9-11, by the way. The last time I got my license was like 2003, I think. And I walked into the post, the one on 6th. I walked in, waited in line. They called me up. Bam. They take the bad picture. 20 minutes later, they spit it out. I got it. I'm done. Yeah. So I don't understand what has changed. Like, what are they doing doing during that two-week time period? Drinking, I, I, drinking heavily. I really honestly want to know. It just doesn't. Like Dealing is, with all those people we just got to talking about at the TMP. I mean, I, you go in and you get your picture taken and you fill out your form. What is happening during that two-week time period that it now takes to get your driver's license? The whole thing is just a And I, it, the only reason I ask is because I don't like not knowing stuff. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just mystifies me. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. Hello, sir. There is such a thing as a secret post office. may not be convenient for you, but there is one. It's at Perkins um, College. I'm sorry, it's, it's where? Merrillhurst College. It's down off of Highway 43. You go through Lake Oswego. And oh, it's Lake Oswego. Pretty people live there anyway. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you say a secret post office, what do you mean well, by this? not many people know about it. And it's mainly used just by the college students. But uh, it's open to the public. Anybody can use it. There's one person who's behind the counter there, and there's never anybody ever there. So it's just, and, it, and it's just inside the college? 
It's around, yeah, it's in the college area there. Yeah, it's in one of the one of the buildings. I don't know. I don't honestly know which one it is, but it's there. Duly noted. That's like occasionally. This is sometimes depending on where you live. Sometimes you'll stumble onto like a convenience store or a Starbucks yeah. or whatever that is located inside some other building, and like no one knows about it, and so there's never any lines exactly. there. So exactly. excellent. All right, thank you, my friend. Welcome. All right, go. Here's Timmy Ryan with uh, more news for your edification. Uh, you have a poodle, right, Max? Yes, I do. What did you get, Max? Uh, we got him from a place called uh, SecondChance.org, uh, which is for uh, dogs that have sort of had a rough go of it and oh, so that's, forth. Oh, that's not in Salem, is it? Okay, is this the puppy mill story? Because uh, because if it is, we don't wish to uh, we don't wish to hear that. We don't want to hear it. We don't. That is, we have very few we have very few rules on this program, uh, but uh, we do stay away from stories of. Uh, Unfortunate. It has and, a happy uh, ending. It, you know, let me see it. Let me see the story. Let me see the story. Rick Emerson doesn't like to exercise any sort of censorship Rick's on like the program. It's like the parentage. You're like the man now. What happened? No, you turned into the man. You know. You turned into the man. It's not. You know. It's just. Here's, here's the thing that we've learned. We've, the thing that we've learned on this program is that there are certain stories that are just such a doom cloud and a buzzkill that it's just impossible to recover from them. This here. Right here. That's 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 exhibit A. You know what I'm doing with this? That's going to go. The bodily fluids on bar floors is great. That's what <laughs> exactly, because who cares about those? You okay, know? Stalin. Like we have that okay, guy. Okay, okay, Castro. Yeah, and you called me the comrade. I'm just saying. All right. I'm just saying we've learned over 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 time what works on the show. Mother Russia, doesn't. Rick Emerson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? There is uh, there is uh, there is only peace through. Uh, there's only happiness. What is I trying to say? I was trying to do like a, an Orwell thing there. All right, fine. We'll move on to happier apart. grounds. Billy Ray Cyrus. Something we all can love and enjoy. Yes. Yep. Singer Billy Ray Cyrus wants his daughter's upcoming Hannah Montana film. They're shooting a film. They're milking this thing for all it's worth. They, he wants it to be shot in Tennessee, but state officials say they might not want it to be there. Yeah. Is there more to the story? I thought that was an inflection that indicated you were moving on. Uh, the film, based on the wildly popular Disney TV series, is scheduled to start shooting in April and expected to be released in 2009. Here's the thing about Hannah Montana. A, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody for making money, you know, while you can make it. That's fine. And, you know, especially with, like, the little child actors, you got to get every dollar out before they grow up and they especially turn Especially Billy out Ray Cyrus. He's broke. Oh, no, that's what I mean. You got to, I mean, look, you got to ring every, you got to ring every cent you can out of your kids before they grow up and they turn hideous. They have a single out together now. Do they? Oh, are you kidding me, really? <laughs> it's uh, ready, so bad. Set, don't go. Yeah, Well, because oh. you, because so uh, you guys are familiar with some of the country music mm -hmm. that comes out these days that the kids love. Yeah, because we work in uh, a country dance club, that's why. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> you work at Bob's Country Bunker. So but, Tim can do a mean line dance. I, uh, but... My whole thing is this, and, I, and I'm not even going to pile on uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, whatever. By all accounts, he's doing, you know, good job, and he seems to be a responsible he's dad. He's milking that cow for all he's Whatever. Doing. You know what? Look, you got to make your money, and it's not like he has a lot of other demonstrable skills at this point, but his Keith Urban haircut has to go. It just has to be gone, and I know that... Thank you for making that connection. I'm the only one... No, it's, uh, look, and, I, you know, and I'm not going to even make the stupid mullet joke, because that's, like, that's well-covered territory at this point, but I'm just saying... Billy Ray Cyrus has got to embrace the fact that he himself is no longer like a rock star of any kind. Well, he could be. No, no, no. He could be. And I was thinking about this. Vanilla Ice can tour around the country because of one song. Yes. Now, everybody knows Billy Ray Cyrus for Achy Breaky Heart. So all he's got to do is go to the South, go to the Midwest, go to the White Trash Honky Tonks, tell the bar owner, tell you what, Billy Ray Cyrus will play your club tonight. Three grand under the table. Oh, well, I, you know, if you have... 
Uh, he it, plays, you know, 200 dates a year. He's I think I think if he even did the fair circuit, he'd do well because oh, people yeah. who make fun of him would go see well, him. You know either. what? And, well, that's the thing is he, Billy Ray Cyrus, I actually have, uh, for a while I was going to, I had this project I was kind of working on for a while, then I abandoned it because I got busy with other stuff, but I had this, I had this, um, I had this thing I was going to write, and I got I got sidetracked with Bigger Than Jesus, basically, that I I was working on this collection of, of, of uh, kind of essays I'd written, and it was just going to be called, uh, it was going to be called In Defense Of, and it was going to be a whole series of essays of people who I felt sort of got got the fuzzy end of the lollipop, as Marilyn Monroe would say. And one of those guys is Billy Ray Cyrus, who, you know, whatever anybody thinks about Billy Ray Cyrus, B- Billy Ray Cyrus is one of those guys that was just so white hot for a second. And that debut record of his sold 9 million copies, and then everybody just turned on him. But, of course, the irony is, is that good, bad, or indifferent, everything sounds like Billy Ray Cyrus now. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, he was the template, even more so Either than Garth Brooks. Garth yeah. It, he was the template for so much of the, of the modern country that comes out now. But you know what it is? It's always the first guy who does something like that that just gets mowed down like the troops on the beach at Normandy. You know what I mean? The first guy who does anything. So, But the thing about Billy Ray Cyrus is he appeals, A, to a lot of the, you know, the country folks, and B, to sort of the ironic hipsters, so he could draw in crowds from both of those groups. And if you have one song, like one huge hit, you can do, you know, several dates a year, make yourself some money. If you've got two hits, you can tour forever. Dante's Inferno, are you listening? No, it's look. I Book him and Vanilla Ice the same night. We had uh, when we had Britney Fox come to town a few oh, months yeah. ago, and we promoted that. And you know what? Britney Fox had two real big hits. They had Long Way to Love, and they had Girls School. And so here's what you do: you you open up with you know whatever. You sprinkle in two covers. You sprinkle in like four other album tracks no one cares about. And then you put your two hits, one of them halfway through the set, one of them is the encore, bam, you're gold. That seems like the template. People will yeah. pay $13 a night forever to and see you do that. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, so he could absolutely be doing that right now. All right. Here's uh, Timmy. Well, let's do one more here, and then we'll take a break. More music news uh, about somebody who once was great but has turned mediocre, in my opinion. Cheryl Crow has successfully navigated around some serious detours over the past couple of years, and she has the new record to prove it. Interscope has announced that the nine-time Grammy winner's new album, Nine Times? Yeah. Can you believe that? I like Cheryl Crow and all, but what did she win nine Grammys for? That's a great question. I, you know, I, I will... I will. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike uh, Cheryl Crow, no. but nine Grammys? I don't even think... She's how many albums she even the last few years. Yeah, I don't think so. The but last thing I remember Cheryl Crow doing... Tuesday Night Music Club for me. Well, and, and the last thing that made an impact on me was Soak Up the Sun, and that was a few years oh, ago. Oh, let's not talk. That was the worst song I've ever heard. I, I, that was the worst goddamn song I've ever I heard. I appreciate well-crafted pop. I've never heard anything worse. Okay, I I will bitch and moan in a second, but hold on. This, okay. is, this is sort of important. Hold on. All right, fair enough. Her new album, okay, Cheryl Crow lover, Rick Emerson, Detours, <laughs> will be out February 5th. Cheryl Crow says, this is the most honest record I've ever oh, made. God. It's about being forced to wake up. She's 45 years old now, too. Uh-huh. No, I'm sure she is. Her, if, they, if they say they're 45, then they're at least 49. All right. You, they always, you figure there's a 10% shaving that happens all the right. time. Now, here's, here's my problem with Cheryl Crow. All right. When Tuesday Night Music Club came out, which is the creme de la creme of all of her albums, she was hot. She was kind of uh, modest back then. And it was a great kick-ass album from start to finish. And then after that, she just sucked. I don't think that, that's not true. She did um, the Globe Sessions, uh, had some good stuff on it. Had Run Baby Run, I think. Was no, on the Run, Globe Run Baby Run was on Tuesday Night Music Club. Was it on Tuesday Night Music Club? Yes, ma'am. The, the songs that really stand out for me from Cheryl Crow are Run Baby Run, Favorite Mistake. 
Uh, anything really? but down, which is a great song. Yeah. Favorite mistake is great because uh, because it has kind of a Stones thing going on to it, which I like. And I think that you know it all went wrong with her when she hooked up with Lance Armstrong, because then she was in love, and then she would blah blah blah, and whatever, and then she quit smoking crack, and so. Have you ever seen the Michael Jackson video that she's in? Yeah. Yeah, Dirty Diana, I think it is. Pretty great. It's great. And she has like this big ass 80s hair. I mean, it's huge. That's when she was hot. Yeah. And she had talent and she had ambition. No, I mean, I'm trying to pinpoint my, my loathing for Sheryl Crow because I don't hate her personally. I just don't like her music. I think her music, ever since her first album, has just been completely mediocre. And she's like the only independent female artist who's like able to write songs. So everybody just is automatically drawn to her and like, oh, she's great. She kicks ass. And we have to buy albums and give her Grammys. Well, I think, and there was part of that, uh, I don't know, there was that whole lilification, lilithification, right. whatever the word I'm trying to say is, that happened where any woman holding a guitar was somehow, and then like I have some problem with female musicians, obviously, but there was this, like the bar was just lowered so far that any woman holding a guitar was somehow like, like an empowering musical icon or whatever. And you know what? There's lots of guys who make crap music, and there's lots of women who make crap music. Uh, you know, and, and just because you got a, just because you got like an X chromosome doesn't mean that well, your music is like. There's that band. God, there's that band Kitty, which oh, is this Kitty, Canadian oh. metal band, uh, and they're just they're like the worst thing that's ever existed. But of course, because it's girls holding guitars, they're somehow they're no, they're, they're they're breaking new ground. They're holding up the torch for whatever. And then you get a, uh, a woman like Ani DeFranco, who I really Ani's like. Ani's great. Come I on. really love her. I respect her. She runs her him. own label, fantastic business person, but, you know, she does it on her own terms, and she doesn't get on TV and you know, wear something that's cut down to her navel. And Righteous whatever, Babe and, Records. Know. Oh, she's fantastic. I think this, I'm, like, the only straight male to know that. Uh, no, this, dude, I'm right here with you. Did you um, know it was Righteous Babe yeah, Records? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, my wife actually introduced me, you know, to her music, and I, the, the, here's, the, here's when I loved, here's when I began to love Andy DeFranco, um, is that... Because they, you know, they they wanted her because she had such a big Indian underground following, and they wanted her to sign with Warner Brothers Records or something, and they, they, you know they dangled the sort of major label contract in front of her, and but they wanted her to you know change her image and sex up and gloss herself over. She and is already sexy. Bring out well, you know she's pretty sexy. But they but they wanted her to really be sort of like you know American strip mall sexy, and they want they wanted to bring in outside songwriters and whatever, and I forget exactly what it, I forget what the song was. But she told Warner Warner Brothers to go get bent, and then she records this album, and the first line, the first line on the album is, here's the next million you'll never get. And it's like, it, you know, you hear that, it's just, that's just fantastic, it's wonderful. Well, so, if so. you give me the choice between Sheryl Crow and Ani DeFranco, I go Ani DeFranco any day. Yeah, I mean, I dig Sheryl Crow. I just think that, Ani DeFranco you know, kicks Sheryl Crow's ass in so many dimensions, it's not even fun. No, I'm with you on that. Okay. All right, we should take a break here. We'll come back. More of Timmy Ryan at the Ministry of Truth later on. Scott Daly. Uh, we'll do the top five. Taser Watch coming up as well. Like us at three. Donna Mike at seven. You stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. It's Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Don't go anywhere.
733-2970. We are live. It is the day after Thanksgiving. Now, why can't radio stations play more of this Christmas music? You know, I this is actually, there's a couple songs that we pride ourselves on playing every year. One is Father Christmas by the Kinks, which is, I'm saying for me, Father Christmas is like as good as it gets. Uh, I'm a cute, but this is, this, is a, this is a close second. I am like the biggest fan, of, you know, and there's been a million versions of this. B.B. King did a great version of it, but this is... Yeah, this is the definitive version of this. There's like three Christmas songs that get played on every single radio station, regardless of their format, over and over and over again. Let's quickly go around the room. Christmas songs you don't ever want to hear again, whether it's because of the song or the performer. Kristen Bowie, go. I would say that Mariah Carey song. You know what I'm talking is that about? The, All I want uh-huh. for Christmas. I, why do I even know that crap? Um, I, don't, I do not ever want to hear Grandma Got Ran Over by Reindeer. See, to me, that's almost like it's own no, category. I, I it's don't like, hear it. I it's, don't... no, 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 I don't want to hear it either, but I'm saying, like, like, here's my thing. Like, the Mariah Carey Christmas song or whatever, like, that is so much worse because the grandma got run over by a reindeer, that's like a ringer. You know what I mean? It's and like they're an almost... trying to be bad. They are trying yeah. to be good. I mean, that's like, that is, that's like a trauma film, Fine. you know. Am I so, do I have to pick another one then? I'm just saying in terms of like a, here's the thing. I'm talking about, I guess, songs that are not intent, songs that someone really thought would be enjoyable. You know, because the Mariah Carey thing, clearly when they did it, they're like, this will be great. People will love this. So mainstream Christmas songs you never need to hear again. All right. Um, any Christmas song sang by uh, Martina McBride? See, and I and I am actually not as um, fluent in country Christmas as I used to be. Because it's been a long time since I worked in country radio. You have to remember, Tim's been swimming in it since yesterday. <laughs> you're you're yes. soaking in it. Wait, hold on. Let me just. This is just. This is for you. This is just. Just. Because Actually, no. I, I thought of another song. Because... Faith Hill. Yes. Go yes. ahead. Oh. <laughs> Faith Hill. Um, that Christmas song she does. Where are you, Christmas? Makes me want to beat my skull against the table. What's stopping you? This really is awful. Mariah Carey's kind of become one of those people we just don't need to care about anymore, though. Yeah, she's in the undoable category at this point. Well, I mean, I'm sure she's around doing something. I just don't know what or Making where. Making a really Being bad crazy? album. Yeah. <laughs> in the booby hatch. Wait, hold on. Here we go. Can I sing Oh, this? it's going to pick up? It's a voice, not a dog whistle. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. It's time to start rocking. It's all jazzy. It's rock and roll. We're done. 
Uh, and you know I, they put her in a Santa hat for that video. I know. And you know what? And it, it, next week we're gonna, we're gonna as we get closer to Christmas, we're gonna bust out more and more of the music. Uh, next week we will uh, will unveil the uh, the Beach Boys Christmas record and uh, and the uh, uh, the Phil Spector Christmas the album. The old school Beach Boys uh, Christmas yeah. record or yeah. one of the new ones. No, you know Brian Wilson just did a new uh. one. There's a so the Brian Wilson just did a solo Christmas record. You know I'm a, I'm an adamant Brian Wilson fan and I didn't know that. Uh, it's not, it's actually not it's not very good actually. Uh, I mean it's everything Brian Wilson does is good. I mean he can only do. But Brian Wilson would have to work really hard to make something bad. I'm saying it's just it pales in comparison to the Beach Boys Christmas record because it just doesn't have. It doesn't have that warm analog sound that the, you know. It doesn't have that Spectre, the mono sound that the Beach Boys thing had. And he actually covers one of his own. He does a new version of Little Saint Nick, which I don't need to hear. Phil's Christmas albums. The the Spectre Christmas record, man, that crystal, Fabulous. that the crystal stuff on that Phil Spectre Christmas record is just like unreal. So um, I'm a huge Phil Spectre fan. And I I, I love Phil Spectre. Don't um, ever marry him. I. I was see. I wasn't even gonna make any jokes. I wasn't even gonna do the Spectre. And then, hold on. I barely knew her. I wasn't even going to do the, and then he shot me. Um, he, he shot me, and it felt like a kiss. Uh, but uh, I do have, though, and the next time, Timmy, the next time you're on the program, yeah. I will bring this in. I do have the single worst thing that Brian Wilson ever recorded. Oh, was it the uh, Eugene Landy days? Yes, and it was from an unreleased album called Sweet Insanity. Oh, yeah. And it's a rap song. Yeah, Brian Wilson rapping. Brian Wilson rapping, where he raps, he he rhymes. I've heard this. I think. Oh, it's terrible. It's it, it, I keep threatening to bring it in, and I never have. Um, it, there's a there's a Brian Wilson did a solo album called um uh, which was just called Brian Wilson that came out in '86, I think, which is okay. It's not great. It got it, good it, reviews. It's okay. It's got love and mercy and some. It, I don't care for the production, but it's a good song, and it's got a it's got some good stuff on it. He did this follow up record so bad it was never released called Sweet Insanity. Uh, and it's got a bunch of, like, Bob Dylan's on it, and it's got a bunch of kind of dreck. But there is this song. God, I can't remember the name of it, but it is a rap song. And you can just hear, you can just see the ghostly presence of Eugene Landy, who was Brian Wilson's shrink at that point, going, Yeah, the kids, they love this rap thing, Brian, so what I need you to do is get in there and do some of the hippity-hop that the kids love. And Brian Wilson, actually, it starts off with, like, that, one uh, drum track that all the 80s, that doom, 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 like the bad Run DMC, LO Cool J drum machine. And the opening couplet of the song is, and this is Brian Wilson rapping this, one of the most talented songwriters of the 20th century. Genius. One of the towering figures of American music. And he says, my name's Brian, and I'm the man. I write hit songs with a wave of my hand. <laughs> And, and then later on, he does, in fact, rhyme, I believe, God, what is, he rhymes something with breasts. Because he's talking about how he, you know, he writes songs about girls, and he rhymes something like, I can't remember what the other word is. It's like chess, or like mess, or go out west, and then he rhymes it with legs and breasts. It's the worst. Like, you hear it, and your skin is, like, crawling off of your body and running down the hall the to get away from the song. The guy who all the music to Pet Sounds wrapped. Yeah, it's awful. I'll oh, bring man. it in, though. Okay, good. All right, here's Timmy Ryan with uh, more of your news. I'll be bringing in my whiskey that day. Please do that. All right. Uh, our favorite man, David Hasselhoff. We really need to start having David Hasselhoff watch. He is all over London. When I went to London, he is just sort of an... Um, and not even for any, like any reason. And he's Germany. Not, he's not singing. He's not on TV. He's just sort of there. Like, you just see a lot of posters and T-shirts and 
Like he's just sort of this Max Headroom-esque figure that just sort of looms down. The same way in Tokyo with Michael Jackson, actually. Really? Don't hassle uh-huh. the Hoff. They yeah. love him over there. It's Absolutely adore that man. It's, it's kind of weird, actually. Michael Jackson looks Japanese at this point. He, Michael Jackson looks like one of those, uh, he looks like one of those Whitley Strieber aliens. You know what I mean? Which is like the big eyes and the little nose. Like, he doesn't have a nose, just some breathing holes in the front, so... All right, what is David Hasselhoff doing? All right, the Hoff is in talks to reprise his role as Michael Knight in a TV movie sequel to his 1980s hit series, Knight Rider. Knight Rider? I barely knew her. Sorry. Okay, you beat me to that. NBC is hoping the TV movie will reboot the franchise and launch a new series. Yeah, yeah, producers are also tight-lipped about what kind of vehicle the new kit will be. The original Talking Trans Am was known as Night Industries 2000. And by the way, the voice was played by who? Uh, William Daniels. William Daniels, who is on? Mark Craig, St. Elsewhere, and Boy Meets, Meets World. World. Thank you. In your face. Just wanted, just wanted to quiz you on that. No, it's true. Uh, and now I will get, now, here's the thing. So William Daniels, who was Mark Craig on St. Elsewhere, and he was on Boy Meets World, did the voice of Kit, the Night Industries 2000. Also president of SAG from 99 to 2001. Do you know... Uh, do you know Michael Knight's uh, real name on Knight Rider? Not not David Hasselhoff, but Michael Knight's real name. So I, I'm not that big of a uh, Knight Rider. His name was Michael Long, and he was a cop. Uh, and sort of RoboCop style, he was uh, shot down, nearly assassinated. Michael Long, the cop, was sort of $6 million man style, brought back by Knight Industries, who renamed him Michael Knight. And he looks like David Hasselhoff. With feathered <laughs> hair, hero of the 1980s. Totally. And I always wonder if that little... Light in the front of Kit is like a tribute to the Cylons and Battlestar Galactica. I always wonder if that was intentional or if that was if that was like a little nod or if it was. A that whatever. was probably like a ten dollar prop they decided to put it on there to make it look extra high tech. I don't know why they don't sell that now. If they would sell a thing from my Ford Escort, like a little light in the front, it would just go. Zzz, you have a Ford Escort zzz, too? Or not a Ford Escort, but a Ford Focus. Yeah. Um, flashing back to my DJ I days. Have an Escort. If they would sell a little snap-on accessory or something that you could bolt on. a bolt onto the front of your car that would make the and it would and it would have to make the noise too, like it would have to have little mini speakers in the front so as you drove down the road it would just kind of go. I mean, you would be the envy of every other nerd on the roadway. It, it could do that, and you can also have the theme to Night Rider playing on speakers like. Yeah. All right. Well, someday when I have money, I'm going to buy myself a Camaro. Well, that and uh, I want a car alarm that is the voice of Ed 209 from RoboCop. So, like, if a guy comes up and he starts screwing with my car, you have 10 seconds to comply, and then it just machine guns No, I, I want a car alarm that sounds like, you know, the uh, the guy who does all the movie trailers, Don LaFontaine. Yeah. In a world. In a world. Where you are not going to touch Tim Lyon's car. In a world where you are <laughs> effing with my stereo. In a world where I am calling the police. In a world where you're going to get your ass kicked. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan and for Tim Riley today. All right, let's do this. Uh, Paris Hilton. You don't have a Paris watch theme, do you? You know, we thought about it, and then we just, her moment passed, we decided we didn't really care that much. Okay. Well, guess where she was over Thanksgiving? She was improving her image. In where? China. In red communist China. Checking out fashions, cuddling with stuffed pandas, and uh, sauntering along the famous waterfront bund while visiting China's most, most, most style-conscious city, or the MTV Style Awards. MTV has a style award show in Red Communist China. Is this like in retaliation oh, for the Jesus. lead? Like did they send us the lead-covered bubblegum balls or something, and then did we just send them Paris Hilton? Right. All right. That's exactly. And this is great. Paris says, and I quote, Shanghai looks like the future. End quote. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, right. The future that they want her to see. 
Shanghai looks like the future of science. Of science. And things. And uh, of oppression of people. All right. Here's the... Government and communist control TV and radio. Here's Timmy Ryan. Should I continue? Yes. All right. The celebrity heiress, author, singer, perfume designer, and reality TV star was spending two days touring China's commercial capital before Friday night's gala awards for Chinese-style fashion trend centers. Let's see, we've got this. Rick, uh, AAA has a DMV specifically for their customers. It's really nice, and there aren't any cretins hanging around. Perhaps this is where Brad Pitt gets his driver's license for new. You know, i got to join AAA again. I used to be a member of AAA, and it was fantastic. Uh, and then I uh, and then I just let it lapse, and I never bothered to do it. This question is, Rick, uh, about William Shatner. How did he get on the match game, and why is he more orange than Richard Dawson? A, I don't know what this is about. B, what the hell? Is the match game even on anymore? Well, it must be. And why is William Shatner on there? You know, days like the day are weird because we just get all of these weird Probably random... Probably on the game show network at like 2 in the morning. Non-secular, uh, non, non-secular emails and crap. All right. Stop it. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's you're up? You're the most obvious thing about Kit and Knight Rider. Geek-wise. Okay. In fact, Kit is a sign lot. There's no doubt about it. The whole red-eye thing... It's a complete ripoff. So you believe that Kit is in fact a Cylon, which would which would make Kit well, that would make sense actually, because especially if you watch uh, the new Battlestar series, you know that those Cylon ships are in fact uh, sentient beings. They are in fact alive. They are uh, sort of cyborg ships. Like there's that because there's that ship I think in season two that Starbuck manages to steal and rewire, and she realizes that the ship actually has its own sentient intelligence. That's right. Excellent. God damn, we're lame. Uh, you are now listening to the Geek Network. Good, good observation, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. There you go. All right. Fantastic. Do you know the name of Kit's uh, evil twin on Knight Rider, Tim Ryan? Uh, Tim uh, Ryan. Cat? No, no. Kit and Cat. No, it's uh, no, it is Car, the night in uh, night automotive roving robot. You know way too much about Knight Rider. I mean, yeah. Knight Rider was a good show, and like, it's kind of funny to watch David Hasselhoff, and it's even better to watch him. Driving around the Camaro. Yeah. I mean, pretty much the only thing that could be better is watching a Hee Haw or Dukes of Hazard Marathon. Yeah. Uh, but well, I, I don't even know where I'm going with that. All right. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan and for Tim Riley. <sighs> this just makes my stomach cringe and my orifices burn. A South Dakota man may be the new record holder when it comes to swallowing Tabasco sauce. Levi Johnson. That just sounds like the name Levi, of a guy. <laughs> Levi Johnson is totally the name of a guy who would enter a Tabasco eating yeah, contest. He, he's, pro- yeah, he's, he's probably like, you know, 300 pounds and he's wearing overalls. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. He's got a big belt buckle. Um, Levi Johnson of tea. That's in South Dakota. Frank, 5.5 ounces of the hot sauce. That's nearly three bottles in 30 seconds. <sighs> At where else? A bar in that community. Of course, right where they got like brine-covered eggs on the back shelf and those like li- those those like li- little hot mama smoky sausage things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, pickled eggs. Yeah, it's a bunch of crap that you only see. Like there does, you do reach some sort of nexus, some kind of event horizon in some of those like bad sort of roadhouse bars where you can't really like when you look at the stuff on the back shelf and it could be bar food. Or it could be something that, like, your kid brought home from his eighth grade science class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it could be some sort of a, a pig product, or it could just be some sort of a pickled swine that you're going to be dissecting the next morning. I'm just going to tell you right now, after uh, heavy drinking at a bar, the last thing you want to do is eat bar food. It's well, not really good for you. I, and I, but see, but you got to, but I wonder, there's a lot of things that I think about, and I wonder if other people think about them that much. And if other people do, it will be the people in this room and the people listening to the show. There are a lot of foods 
that I really do wonder. Like, I just wonder, A, if anybody does eat them. And they must, because otherwise it wouldn't be economically feasible for them to exist. Someone in a bar somewhere eats those brined eggs. And I just don't know, like, is it before you drink? Is it about halfway through when you're kind of drunk but not sick? Is it afterward when you're just so unbelievably hammered that you can't really process the fact that you're eating a brine-covered pickled egg? I just don't. Th- 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 these things really do and sort of be gross. Me. Not to be gross, but after you've been drinking and then you're eating pickled eggs, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that would do to your digestion. I'd like, I'd like to meet the person who seeks out pickled eggs. Well, and and I mean, and the, I mean, and the guy who is at the bar, because at some point when you're setting up a bar, okay, you buy the bar, you get your chairs, you order your beer tap. That's in the budget. Yeah, you yeah you order your pool well, table. We have five hundred dollars this year for pickled eggs, <laughs> and then as, as part of the business plan. Yeah, you bought you yeah. bought like the you bought like the uh, uh, you know the talc and the chalk for the pool table, and you go. Well, we got all these back shelves. I guess we need to buy some bar food. Get me the catalog. And then they bring you the catalog of bar food, and you're skipping right past the front where there's, like, normal, ordinary, like, digestible food, and you're going right to, like, pickled pig's knuckles. Have you ever noticed, like, every bar, every CD bar always has, like, a condom machine? And it's not just a condom machine, but it's like a condom machine with many different types of condoms. And it's condom, and here's, and this is, okay, and this For is her fascinating. Pleasure. Well, those people shouldn't be procreating anyway, so condoms are a good I thing. was going to say, that, those are the people you want rubbering up. Exactly. But I, let me also say this. I, this is the best show ever. So let me just say this about that. So a couple things. A, here's what I don't understand about that. You go into a bathroom, like uh, my father's place is this way. Uh, you go into my father's place, and they got the rubber machine in there. And there's like 900 different kinds. Like one is studded, and one is like glow-in-the-dark, and one plays the Star Spangled Banner, whatever. I studded. But you've got to figure that, like, by definition, if you are buying rubbers in a bar bathroom at like 1.30 in the morning... You do not care about aesthetics of any kind because clearly the person you're going home, the, the, the hump is, is obviously, you know, just it's, it's like a, a wildebeest. So, I mean, it doesn't it, not what necessarily. Do you, what do you care? Not necessarily. I'm I mean, just saying it seems like they're probably giving you options that you really don't care about. I at that can point. neither confirm nor deny that I have bought a condom in a bar bathroom. No, the no, no. I just, the dark one before, before, you know, before using it. No, no, no. I'm just look. I, I'm not passing any judgment. I'm you know whatever. You know, Rick Emerson is not a prude. The I'm French just saying. I'm, I'm just tickler. Wait. I barely knew her. I'm just saying. It seems like In you're bar, offering. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it it seems. You know what it is. It's. It would be like a roadhouse bar offering some sort of like really top shelf aperitif. You know what I mean? You don't care about that. You just give me a bottle of something that will make me blind. They should have Depro. Pervera or whatever the hell that is in totally. bars, too. The injectable. <laughs> you put in 50 cents and the needle goes into your arm. You get a needle that goes into your arm. Baby away. Or a pill. Um, <laughs> or can like I get some baby be gone? <laughs> or like the after, the after uh, what is it, the after morning they are, pill? I'm telling morning, you this. The morning, the morning no, after pill. Here's, I'm telling you this right now. It, 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 and I don't mean to be it's singling out. It's a vending machine right next to the hot tamales. No, no, no. Here's the thing. If you go into any bar that is open at 7 a.m., like many of them are here in Portland, any alcohol served between 7 and noon on a Sunday needs to be laced with the morning after pill. You know what I mean? Uh, Bloody Mary, please. Okay. And morning after. <clears throat> Two problems gone at once. Hangover and next generation of idiots. Gone all at once. They can make morning after pills taste like M&M's. <laughs> or like... Uh, that would help the entire population of or, Russia. Or fish sticks. Just, yeah, just, just, pop, them, just pop them one after another. So gross. Yeah. This, this morning after pill tastes like Lunchables. Uh, tastes like cod. Here's the... Oh, cod. Um, what do you think I said? Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the, the, my final observation, and then we'll talk to these people who love pickled eggs. 
uh, is that, and you can tell, this is why I love this audience, because we're talking about pickled eggs, bam, 100 phone calls yeah, all at like once. 90 phone calls. When, uh, when I was in Scotland a couple months ago, my wife and I were in uh, a bar in Scotland just getting lunch, and it was not, it was in a little town called Inverness, a tiny little town, and this wasn't like a weird kind of bar, it wasn't like some weird sexy bar or whatever, it was just, it was like, uh, just like a, a little pub, it was like there's a little dive bar. Uh, and we just got some lunch. Cause we, were, we were waiting for a bus, actually. And so we just got some lunch and, you know, pickled stomach crap or whatever it is that they sell you there. My wife got, you know, whatever it is she was drinking. And it was a regular, ordinary bar. Guys watching rugby or football or whatever the hell. At one point, I go in to use the bathroom. And, of course, you notice all the weird little things are different. Like they, they have just like the one big, uh, you know, uh, 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 trough or whatever in the bathroom for the guys. And that's all fine, whatever. But then they got the condom machine. And so, you know. You're a guy, you know, while you're attending to business, you're sort of looking around, checking out your surroundings. You look, I look at the condom machine, and I wish I'd taken a picture of it, but there was another guy in the bathroom, and like pulling out my camera and starting to photograph yeah. seemed like a good way to get my ass beaten by a, by a football hooligan. So, but the vending machine in this bathroom, and again, in an ordinary bar, they sold the regular rubbers, but the vending machine, all, and they all take, you know, the coin money over there, so it's like pound coins. The vending machine also sold A, handcuffs for 10 pounds and B, the little like vibrating jackrabbit thing like a full-on battery operated vibrator did it have batteries in it i don't or, think or, i, I don't you know about another pound one pound I, coin to get the battery that's a good question i don't really know you should have found out i was really fat i was almost tempted to buy the handcuffs out of the vending machine in the bathroom just say look i bought these handcuffs in a vending machine in a bathroom it was just so bizarre in skyland in a, a little unnerving actually. yeah just like in a regular run-of-the-mill pub they, the condom machine sold vibrators and handcuffs it was so bizarre what about uh, for the crazy people who use the handcuffs for what about the crazy yeah. people who use vibrators? I'm just saying it's like, it just was. I, I but mean, you can't I, tie I, people up with vibrators. <laughs> can't you? Well, you can if you take the wires out. I'm sure there's wiring. We're gonna this. have put way too much Let's thought stop into this, this conversation now. <laughs> vibrator on KCMD Portland. Vibrator. I barely knew her. You I, that. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, two things. Uh, first thing, birth control needs to go in uh, malt liquor. <laughs> yes. And malt yes. liquor. I barely knew her. All right, yes. And second thing is, I love those stupid pickled eggs. Okay, now, I, I'm not passing judgment because I've never had one, but here's a dumb question. When, when they say pickled, what kind of pickling is this? Like, what does it taste like? It tastes like a, like a pickle, except without dill. It tastes like vinegar, and it's kind of sour, and they're an fantastic. Egg. Uh, so it's an egg in vinegar. Now, do you only like it when you're drunk? No, I've been eating these stupid things since I was a kid. My grandpa got me hooked on them when I was like four. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's what grandparents are for. Oh, yeah. Here's a picture of me walking around with half of a yellow egg sticking out of my mouth as I'm walking around the house. Well, sir, let me ask you this question. After a, after a night of heavy drinking and many pickled eggs, what does that do to you? I wouldn't. I, I don't think I'd want a mix of the drinking and the pickled eggs. I just See, have like one with lunch. I can't imagine like Jaeger, Jaeger shots and, oh, and pickled like, eggs. Like nine shots of whiskey, four beers, and uh, whatever, and then pickled eggs. That's not going to sit well with one's stomach. No, I would think it coming up would be even worse. Oh, well, at least it's soft. Hey, yesterday's show was fantastic. I hope Scott made it home okay, and I hope he had a garbage can close to his feet. Uh, Scott Daly? Yeah. Well, he'll be in today. He'll be in in about 20 minutes. So we'll, Hungover. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll find out exactly. Kyle I loved the live read where he's trying to uh, interject with you guys about everybody's garden center. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we'll see how many, how, many, uh, how many times he was refunding his drink last good night. Good times. Can't <laughs> wait for the Christmas show, Rick. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day, guys. So that's Rob from the House of Rick. Fantastic. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Me? Yes. <laughs> this is me. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> I have a news story. Okay. This is from the Associated Press in Beijing. Are you making this up? 
No, I am not. It's from the Asian reporter. Okay. Reporter. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Prepare. Reporter, I hardly knew her. Okay. A heavily laden cargo truck recently plowed through a flock of sheep crossing a highway in China's remote western region, killing 110 animals and closing a highway for eight hours, state media reported. A shepherd was also seriously injured when the 50-ton truck loaded with coal ash suffered brake failure and was unable to avoid smashing into the flock, uh, which was being taken to pasture. I have to tell you this right now. Whoever has to clean up that road is being paid way, way less than they're really owed. I don't care how oh, much they're being paid. They need to China, be paid my more. Friend. Especially in China. Especially in China, where they're probably just cleaning it up at the barrel of a gun. So, Furthermore, clean this. I will tell you where your family is. And I can't. I can't tell the poodle story. <laughs> no, no. It's well. Who? Who can? Okay. Who can tell. You have right. a button. The truck eventually ground to a halt because of the massive pile of oh. sheep carcasses oh. in front of the vehicle. Oh, it said. We're done. We so it took done. police eight hours to clear the carcasses off the road in the oh. far western Xinjiang region's Yili district. You know, and I don't have my phone disconnecting sounder. The report said the shepherd was hospitalized. <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, I, I don't have it. I don't have my. Uh, I don't have well, my. Well, that's it. That, that's it. I don't have my cutoff sounder. All right. That's it. I'd like to point out that my poodle story was way less. Um, Wait, hold on. Here we go. Thank you. Bye. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Slow news day. Yes. Hey, uh, uh, the pickled eggs, I actually know why that they have them in the seed of your, of your uh, dives. Okay. Uh, by law, you have to serve food, and it's one of the least expensive to purchase. You put it out there so the drunks have something legally to eat if they had to. And so, it just, so it really is just there, so theoretically speaking, people could consume something other than alcohol. On the money. Okay, no, that makes sense, I guess, especially in a place like Oregon where the OLCC is just... just, 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 just. Gestapo. Well, and they, I mean, yeah, they just have such a such anachronistic uh, rules about everything. So, okay, that makes sense. Especially, that explains a lot of the other food. That, like, have you ever done this? You go to a bar, and there's just that bowl of, like, waxy yellow popcorn that clearly was put out there, like, during the Carter administration that, like, no one has ever eaten. And the butter is so congealed that it really is it is really like uh, just a candle in the shape of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. All right, excellent. That explains All a lot. Right. Thank you, sir. You bet, brother. All right, there you go. How are you doing, Kristen? You have a strange look on your face. I'm good. <laughs> it's disgusting food, but it's okay. Yeah, are you, are, are you feeling nauseated by this program? Uh, not by the program, but by the food discussion. We can try harder. <laughs> Let's take this call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, Rick, I was really surprised to hear the... Uh, um, you call out the variations of condoms available in the machine at uh, the father's place from memory. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you're standing there. There's not what. It's either that or read the graffiti that says, you know, uh, like, hey, I, you know, I blank blanks all day. Call me now. Here I sit, brokenhearted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> really, there's only so much graffiti you can read before you just got to start looking at something else. And the right. mirrors in the, by the way, and the mirrors in that bathroom. This fascinates me. Because I love my father's place. The mirrors in that place have all been stolen or broken or taken away. Like the, the mirrors the greatest are greatest bar ever. Yeah, really the mirrors is. are gone. Uh, like you can tell where they used to be, but someone has pulled the mirrors off the wall and gone and taken them away. There's <laughs> nothing else to look that at in there. So, well, you just you just recited it with such a plum, and I and I, I just yeah, wanted to what mention I do, it. Sir. But you know, you know, those machines are stocked by the same guy that delivers like the Fritos and the chips and stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Look, I got your uh, I got your beef patties and your rubbers. Uh, which do you want me to drop off first? Bag of Cheetos and a French tickler. Thanks. <laughs> yes, French. Tickler. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
All right, yeah, bye. Okay. Let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, do you think that if that truck that hit all those sheep really did grind to a halt, that it made a lot of ba-ba-burgers? Hello? Yeah, no, Hello? that's that's only worth one. What is barking in the back? Is that a dog? Yeah. yeah it right. looks a lot like your dog, as a matter of fact. All right, excellent. I'll give you one more chance to do a pun. Try another pun now. Uh, eject. <laughs> I like that. I like it when they just punt. I have one for you. They just give up. Yeah. That caller was really bad. No, see, that's no bad. All right. Uh, let's do a couple more here. We'll He's take a break. He's getting as many crickets as Scotty does. Did Scott Dowdy will join us here in a while. Uh, top five and so forth. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan. Uh, Hillary Clinton, who doesn't stand a snowball's chance of hell of winning the presidency, was heckled. By her own people. Yep, Code Pink. They're the uh, mothers against the Iraq War. Heckled Hillary Clinton the other night at a forum, and she heckled right back. Well, see, the thing about Hillary Clinton is you know, she will have you killed. Uh, you cross her, you will end up floating in an oil barrel in the Pacific Ocean. She's the new mob. No, I'm telling you, and, uh, and again, I'm not, of course, uh, I'm not, of course, suggesting that Hillary Clinton is engaged in anything illegal. I wouldn't suggest that because the, because she'll kill me. I'm just saying, she, man, she's a buster. Uh, it, 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 you will find your kneecaps uh, in several sections uh, uh, scattered all over the Hudson River. You cross her. So uh, she the, the, here's the big thing that Hillary Clinton has going for her. A, and I've said this before, Money. I'm going to get all p political about it, but A, all of the polarization has already happened. There's nothing they can do to reduce her popularity numbers at this point because the country's already had 10 years to make up their minds. So, you know, Giuliani's numbers can only go down. Hillary's are going to stay exactly where they are. They're not going to go down. They're not going to go up. They're exactly where they are. And B... You will always hear this this canard that right now it's the war on terror is the big thing that we got to worry about. We got to worry about you know the bombing people who don't look like us. Does anybody really think that Hillary Clinton would hesitate for a second before just wiping out whole sections of the world? Oh no! I mean, no, she no, wakes no, up no, on no, the no. wrong side of the bed and somebody looks at her askance. Man, that place is going to be a sheet of glass by the end of the afternoon. She but has she that gets full on stuff done. Oh, she <laughs> has that Margaret Thatcher thing going on where you suspect that underneath that uh, underneath that pantsuit, just the biggest brassest ones you've ever seen in your life uh and i mean and if you annoy hillary clinton when she's president uh you are a cinder by the time lunchtime rolls around so so i'm, I'm just i wouldn't heckle her with no that's going to end badly for anybody let's do a few more here and then we'll uh, take a little uh, break this is kind of a sad story. We might not want to read this because it's sad. And it's does this involve being like like kittens being pushed through wire no, screens or something? No, uh, it does involve an Iowa farming family, though. Is it, Does somebody die? We'll find out. Is it funny? Is let's, it a funny death? Let, let's find out together. Okay. Let's go down. Let's go down together. All right, let's all gird our loins. All right. Okay, go ahead. All right. This is uh, Dateline, Des Moines, Iowa, the place of dreams. A grain bin collapsed and sent a tidal wave of corn into a home, sweeping the home off its foundation, <laughs> trapping a family of four, and shaking the ground for miles. Now, did anyone... I'm sorry. Now, did anyone die? Let's find out. Keeping you in suspense. One man was taken to a hospital after being buried for hours in grain and debris in Hillsborough and southeast Iowa. Hillsborough? Yeah. Is there a Hillsboro, Iowa? Yes, imagine ma how imagine how dumb the residents of that town must be. All right. We grew up in Hillsboro, Iowa. Seriously. There's good people there. It's like growing up in St. John's, Guatemala. All right. Uh okay, so go ahead. The bin 
which is about 100 feet in diameter, 90 feet high, and containing more than 50,000 bushels of corn, collapsed on Monday evening. The force of the grain broke the walls of Jesse and Jennifer Kellett's home and sent the roof crashing down. Many of the town's 200 residents, big town, sounds like sweet home where I grew up, said they could bear and hear I don't even know what that means. Well, you know, the, the weird thing about here's what makes the story fascinating to me is because if you were that family, and if I were to ask you, like when you got up in that morning, if I were to ask you to list the hundred ways that you think you might die that day, like that wouldn't even be in the top 500. Corn. That would be, yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's, it's covered by 500 tons of corn. I mean, imagine you're just sitting there and you're just some Iowa family and you're watching, uh, you know, you're watching Wheel of Fortune. And suddenly, a hundred tons of corn just come in the window. Well, here's the cool thing, though. If it rained and it just kind of stayed there for a while, it would ferment, and then you know you'd be drunk from the whiskey that it would naturally make. I suppose. I just think it's a fascinating way. You'd I have just to ferment for a while. I love. I just well, love people who I'd are. I'd be willing to stick that out. I, I love the whiskey. I love people who are just who are killed or who are you know injured in some sort of really fascinating. Like there was this guy. This was, this was a couple years ago. It was about five or six years ago. We had to story about a guy. And it's always in one of those flyover states. He was in, like, Kansas or someplace. And he's out there, and he's doing whatever. He's, like, I don't know, hoeing a row or whatever it is. He's doing something. He's standing out in the open. And at that moment, a TWA plane is flying overhead, and they decide to eject the contents of their latrine. Oh. And, of course, it comes out as one of those big balls of frozen green ice, because when you use the bathroom on a plane, everything flushes, and it goes down into a tank, and there's a chemical that freezes all of the liquid and solid waste into a big green ice cube, which makes it easier to then... A big jello shot. It, it, it basically, yeah. It, no, it's like a big green slushy made out of... Mm, jello shot. Yes. Uh, and that makes it easier to empty because then they reach in with ice tongs and pull it out. Well, they inadvertently ejected this. So the guy is standing there in the middle of his field, you know, just planning to go in and watch, uh, you know, watch a monster truck rally Yeehaw. later. Has no idea as he is standing there that a huge glowing green pile of poo is actually falling out of the sky. Bam! Right on him. Yeah, right on him. Oh, yeah. No, they, no, they buried that guy in a cigar box. I mean... And then, look, I'm not trying to make light of death, but I'm just saying if you got to go, try to go in a way that's sort of interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's an interesting way to die. People were, you know, and you will provide just a little bit of light and mirth to all of us. And you'll be remembered. Exactly. And if one must shuffle off one's mortal coil, at least you can do it in a way that is moderately amusing to those of us who have to trudge through our daily existence, needing only an occasional smile to brighten our lives. Uh, Let's do one more, and then we'll break. I was going to finish reading the rest of it. Nah. That's okay. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, okay, done. Yeah. Hate crimes in Oregon. They're going up. It looks like we all hate each other. That's coming from the data released by the FBI, at least back in 2006. According to the data released on Monday, there were 141 such incidents in Oregon back in 2006, which is up from 137 hate crimes in 2005. Race was the motivation for 66 of the attacks that according to the FBI, followed by religion and sexual orientation. Let me just read this. This email says, Rick, you're in my head. Uh, yesterday I was doing one of my favorite things in the world, snorkeling. I'm in Maui, and I was literally swimming with giant sea turtles that were about six feet long. This is a guy listening online. I turned my head and saw an actual puffer fish that was swimming by, so I started, I started snorkeling and following the puffer fish. What went through my head was not... This is a magnificent creation that Almighty God has gifted humanity with, a perfect and beautiful creation for all eternity. No, my reaction was, Puffer, I barely knew her. 
Then another fish swam by me, and I thought to myself, Grouper, I cannot stop myself. And to make matters worse, we're here with my family, and my sister-in-law's name is Esther. Every time they say, every time they use her name Esther, I respond, I barely knew her. Then I got the official edict from my wife. I am allowed exactly three er jokes my whole trip. You and your show have officially burrowed itself tapeworm-like into my brain. I can no longer enjoy things like a, like a normal human being. Thanks for that. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for... I. If it makes you feel any better, it may not. If it makes you feel any better, I, too, have been forbidden to do that. I am not allowed to make any er jokes. Uh, once I walk in the front door of my home, all the erring has to stop. Does it go on in your head, though? It does, but I don't say it. <laughs> it does, but I don't say it at all. I can't. I don't make any of those jokes. That's fantastic. Um, but we have heard. We we get those stories a lot from people. We had this story uh, about six months ago, where it's a terrible story, but it's true. We had a guy called in because he was. Let me if I can get the story correct. He was talking to a friend of his. He was having dinner with with some friends with a couple. And the uh, they were talking about how the, the wife uh, had been in the hospital for a while but was now home and fully recovered or whatever. And they were making small talk about, oh, well, what was what was wrong? And the wife said, well, I, I, I was in the hospital for a little while. I'm, you know, it's in remission, but I, uh, you know, I did have a little bit of skin cancer. And the guy, like, reflexively, without even thinking about it, oh, he goes, cancer? I barely knew her. And then he – but as he told the story, it's like he said it. And then was immediately trying to suck the words back into his mouth. So, which we've all had that experience of saying something, and then you're just, as the words are leaving your mouth, you're kind of going, like trying to suck the phrase back in because you realize you've said something really, really awful. Uh, we'll do these, then we will take a break. Then Scott Daly will join us. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello? Hi. Yeah, this is Tom. Hi. Um, well, it, you know, those, uh, even if you don't live anywhere near a um, major uh, military target. I like where this call is going. Apparently, you can still be bombed by ICBMs. Let me just say now, A, I don't understand what we're talking about. B, is this a setup to a punchline of some kind? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, wait, hold it. on. Now, hold on a second. Oh, he's drunk. <laughs> hold on a second. I'm going to give you a few seconds to ponder whether or not you really want to go forward with this. You just hang on. All right, now, do you really feel like you want to make this joke? Well, it depends on if you want to continue on with your... Um the airplane uh, bathroom thing. Let's say for the sake of argument that I did, do you feel this is a joke that needs to be said on the air? Well, it's something that you probably would enjoy. I don't know about the rest of the people listening to you. On the classic 1 to 10 scale, how confident do you feel that this joke is amusing? Oh, probably about a 7. That doesn't let's sound too confident. Let's take a quick vote of the room. Kristen, Timmy, what do we think about this joke, yes or no? Um, yes. Kristen? <laughs> nah. Okay, we're going to flip a coin, sir. Hold on. we got to do a tiebreaker. Uh, heads, you will say the joke. Tails, uh, you will live to fight another day. Uh, wait, I've lost my quarter. Hold on. Quarter? <laughs> I don't even know where... Oh, it's gone. All right, hold on. i got to flip another coin. I have a coin. No, i got one here. Hold on. All right. I have All two right. coins. We're going to flip another... Okay, heads, you will give the joke. Tails, you will not. 
That's heads. It's heads. All right, go ahead. What is your joke, sir? Oh, it, um, listening to your story about the uh, uh, frozen uh, blue stuff from the airplane. Yes, sir. Um, I just re was reminded of something that somebody said a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, even if you don't live anywhere near a military uh, target, you do have a chance of being hit by an ICBM. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. I hate myself for saying this. This is your fault, Tim Ryan. Thank you, right. Tim. You can take me out back and beat me with my own belt. Okay. All right. I, I promise not to enjoy it. It was, a little, it was a little creepy that that imagery came so readily to your brain like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, this email says, uh, and then we will break this email, says, Rick, I love your show. I love your, I love your observations. Also, Kristen doesn't get on the air often enough. You should shut the hell up and let her talk. She's got a great voice, Scott. So there you go. You are loved by Scott and all. Yay, thank you, Scott. Well, feel Scott. free to chime in more often. I know that um, <laughs> I know that I tend to just sort of go on and on and on, and I know that there may be somebody else in the room <coughs> who does the same thing. So feel free to chime in more frequently. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. Scott Daly will join us from FilmPeopleRadio.com. More of Timmy Ryan. Uh, your phone calls. Uh, top five coming up as well. And uh, more exciting Christmas tunes from the Rick Emerson Musical Library. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. It is the day after Thanksgiving. We're live. Stay there right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Oh, my dear. 
program. Who was that? guy. Everybody says it, and it's not Adam Sandler, by the way. A lot of people, it's, it's like on the internet, everything that people can't identify gets labeled as Weird Al Yankovic. That always gets labeled as Adam Sandler, and it's not him. It is It is one of those, it, it is one of those things that found its way onto the net, and, 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 and now it just sort of floats around, but the, the, the province of the original recording is lost to history. No one really knows who it is. And the sick sad thing is that uh, it's pretty obvious the guy takes himself seriously. Oh, no, he's, he's, right. that's what makes it so great. I mean, he is just, like, selling it. I mean, he is, you know what it is? He is inside of it. He is embodying that thing. He is the Chris Crocker of Oh Holy Nights. <laughs> no, he's, Leave Brittany alone! He really is just, uh, he is full-on feeling it. Like like Jovi feeling it, so that song makes me happy. It really does. It puts me in a special place. Sometimes I'm feeling it. You are in a really weird yeah, mood, yeah. And, and people don't even know this, the crap you're saying during the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, here within the studio with the door shut, we are allowed to say, "I By have it, taken I the eye on ethics test." I know that we can say whatever we want as long as it's in the studio without fear of being sued. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from Film Fever Radio. Do we have Scott's theme over there? Hi. I, I don't actually know what it's called. Sarah always fires it, but I don't know what it's called. Uh, there you go. From FilmFeverRadio.com, our good friend Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hi, and one more time. Hello there. Hi, there how you doing, go. brother? There we are. I'm well. How are you guys? That's my fault. Sorry, Scott. No it's worries. Okay. It's been no a bit worries. of a day. The uh, church fan has faded away. The booze is out of my system. I'm good. Uh, Ready so for tonight. You were here yesterday. <laughs> yes, we had sir. a pretty great Thanksgiving program oh, yesterday. Such a fun show. Uh, and so today is sort of our, the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, this is following our yearly pattern, where Thanksgiving is always just this weird, just, uh, frenzied orgy of, like, giggling and booze. And then the day after, this is always sort of the come down, like the mellow period. Yeah. So today we're just sort of riding out the wave. Um, yesterday you had a bunch of Romulan ale. Yes. And then did you have absinthe yesterday? I, I too? had some of that quartz, uh, quartz absinthe that court brought in, and I was one more drink away from absinthe from seeing that fabled green fairy. Ugh. Oh, that stuff was brutal, and, and then, it just burned going all the way down. And then did you have more alcohol last night? Yeah, it's funny because I went to my folks' house afterwards for for Thanksgiving dinner, and. Uh, my mother is not a drinker. Well, my father very, is a very, a very uh, a religious family. Uh, mother is, yeah, okay. a Christian scientist. Oh, and so, that's got to be fun. <laughs> so the my thing. arm is broken into a Z. God will heal it. <laughs> exactly. Can I get a cast? No. Well, the funny thing is, my grandfather got there, and uh, I let him in, and then went back in the kitchen, and I said, "You know, some some whiskey would be really good right about now." And Dad's like, "Yeah." My brother-in-law's like, "Yeah." Mom's like, "No." <laughs> And so, you know, why why would Jesus have created whiskey if he didn't want you? That's what I want to know. So, mom went into the other room, and uh, dad said, "It's above the refrigerator. Get it really? down." And so we spiked our hot cider with, uh, with Maker's Mark. That's so fantastic. It was it was. It was it I love the fact that night. there's whiskey in your house, but your mom just doesn't want to know about it. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's sort a, of like a. It's like one of those couples, like where you know, where where the husband and wife have an understanding. So a whole lot of <laughs> look. Whatever happens while I'm out of town, I just don't want to know about yeah, it. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And so Dad's like, "There's a flask up there. Go ahead and get it down. A and flask. Let's have some cider." It's like, all right. Let me just. Uh, when I went to see, um, uh, and forgive me, I'm having a brain lock here. Did you go to the Grindhouse with Aaron and I and Zigfried? No, and I couldn't go. We went to the Grindhouse Film Festival on Saturday to see Zombie and Which Demon. I'm so oh, jealous. It was fantastic. I know. Badass. I know. And there was someone there, I will not identify who this person was, but there was somebody there who just 
10 seconds into the first film, out comes the flash. Yeah. I and then the flash just starts going up and down the aisle during the movie. And that, that movie, Zombie, which has the best eye gouging of any film ever. That is the best zombie film ever made. It is wonderful. Concerned. And I mean, and, and if you're about half in the bag, it becomes even better. I, I think. can imagine. So, yeah. I can imagine. Anyway. Uh, so we're going to do some news here in a second. We got a top five. We, we, and I'll be honest, it's, it's not, that, not that it's a bad show. It's been, it's been pretty amusing, if I do say so myself. It's just today is kind of a low key show. Yeah. Everybody's out shopping or gone or sleeping it off or uh, recovering or whatever. So we don't have a whole lot more planned. We have the top five. We got news. I got a few more songs that we might play, and we you got a movie review, but yep, we're sort yep. of just rolling it as it rolls. So uh, let us pay another visit, Kristen, to the Ministry of Truth, and uh, we'll do some news with Timmy Ryan, then we'll do a review in the top five. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Ryan. Okay, so I'm kind of going up and down of what the next news story should be. I'm going to save the Boyd George story for last. You know, kind of like That's the right. icing on the cake. When in doubt... Leave Thank Boy George out. Thank you, for, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for not saying that Boy George was going to be the happy ending to the pile of news stories. I would never say anything like that. No, I'm just saying. Rick, come on. I have my standards. You wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't, like of course. Come you would on. never say anything. Timmy Ryan is a professional newsman. Oh. <laughs> I'm a professional in every sense of the word. Absolutely. I went to school. You kind of Kidding. look like you're wearing a beetle wig sometimes. Really? Yeah. I you, got good, a, you got he a good head of hair. By the I way. was told the other night, I was told the other night, uh, I actually hit on by a very hot girl um, who shall not be named, uh, when I was playing poker, that I have a Beatles mop top. No, you do, and, I, do and I'm not. No, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about Paul it. You, Paul McCartney. No, you do have. Uh, you got good hair. You really do. You and I touch it? May, no. Uh, now, may I ask? He has good brunette hair. You, it's black hair. No, no, see, no, 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 no. We're gonna solve right this right now. We're gonna stop this right now. A, you are how old? You're 26. Yeah. Okay. So now, may may I ask this? Now, do you, do you uh, believe that you'll be keeping your hair? Do you think that's gonna go away as you get older? Yeah. Well, my dad before he drank himself to death had good hair, and then my grandfather had really good hair too. All right. Your mom's, your mom's dad? Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. traditionally where it comes from. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you get, yeah, so as you long get, as I don't drink myself to death, I'll, I'll be alive. Yeah, what are the odds of that? I'll be alive with uh, that seems really so unlikely. for a long time. Um, <laughs> so we were talking about this during the break. Though, so you, I referred to you uh, as sort of being a brunette Tim Riley. Why? Because I don't talk like him, no, 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 just because the news guy, you know, you have a certain sort of nihilistic, misanthropic streak news like guy. Tim, like Tim has. Um, your height, you're about the same height as Tim. But you're I'm vegan. vegan. Both vegan. Both vegan. Both right. Irish. Um, and so wow. you both have a very distinctive uh, voice. Voice delivery. Very, the cadence is right. Anyway, right. yeah, it's not a knock. Right. I mean, no. you know what it is. To be compared to Tim Riley is a glorious thing. But okay, you, cool. you disputed that you were a brunette, and so my question was: Isn't a brunette just anything that's not a blonde or a redhead? No, I, I think a brunette is, is brown. Isn't yes, it? brunette brown. is brown. Okay, my no, no, wait, brown. Kristen, what color hair do you word? have? Naturally? Naturally. This is, this is dyed. <laughs> yeah. What is your hair naturally? Um, Blonde. Really? Really? Yeah. I can't see that at all. Yeah. Well, you, no, know, Sarah, you know, Sarah is a blonde. Sarah Dillon. And uh, I've seen uh, Sarah, not in person, but I've seen photos of her when her hair was uncolored, and it's... It's like a full-on valley girl blonde. Yeah. And which it just Mine's does, a little bit of a dark blonde, but it's still there. It's strange because you look at it and it's like it just Fs with your head because you're like, <laughs> you just can't see Sarah being a blonde because you're used to her hair just being this kind of patchwork mm-hmm. of different colors. And I can't see you being a blonde either. That's just weird. I mean, no offense. It just, I mean, you just, you just don't. I, I, I could never picture you as that. You know so. who, you know who a brunette is? A brunette, a brunette is uh, Carla Gugino from, uh, from Sin City. Uh, a brunette is, um, 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 um. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Thank you, Angelina Jolie. That's a brunette. Tilly. Are you just saying brunette? a brunette is brown? Brunette yeah, is brunette's any... kind of a brown. Brunette is anything that's not blonde or red. No. From, from the dictionary, it's a 
hair, skin, eyes of a dark color In or your tone, face. either brown or dark. So but there you go. But I look at Timmy. Light, so obviously it's my dark. But I look at Timmy and I see black, black hair. Yeah, I don't see brunette. No, no, no. Brunette oh. is dark. His hair is dark. Dark is black. But I still would qualify him as brunette. And I also want to point out that girls <sighs> like black hair because black is a sign of fertility. <laughs> I'm sure that's why, Tim. I'm I sure. like it. So let me understand this. So girls like you because your hair implies that they would be massively impregnated by All right, you. But let me tell you this. I am, I am, a, I am the average-looking guy. Because that's what every girl is no, speaking. I want Tim Ryan's baby. I'm going, I'm going to explain this to you, okay? And... Um, then we'll move on. But there, are, I, all right, I have had relations with many a girl. Oh. <laughs> Why is I swear all... to God, these last two days have been nothing but talking about how much of a hoe he is. No, seriously. <laughs> Why does every story detail? This is like that fortune cookie thing where you go like blah 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 in bed. Like all of you are like blah 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 while I was banging this girl in a van. It's either some girl or your star. I was in the back of an Encano line in Akron. I am an ugly, kind of an ugly guy. I really don't have a lot going for me. Somehow, somehow, number one, I've had a rock and roll life, and two. For your incredibly potent sperm, apparently. His hair that screams, I, I will impregnate you. I, I have had a rock and roll life. Somehow I did, things just fall into my lap where I, good things have happened to me career-wise. And number two, I have this really good head of hair, which has enabled me. It'll be gone in ten years. I can see it. Which has enabled me to uh, talk to really hot To enjoy girls. the company of the fairer sex. Yeah, very much so. And girls, I've had girls who come out and say, the reason why I'm attracted to you is because your hair. Well, bully but I mean, you. Fantastic. But I'm confused. Okay, well, I'm confused. And then we'll go to, and then we'll ask Kristen her thoughts on this, because she's really the only one qualified to in this room to weigh in on this. That's true. But is it, now, do, because when they, when, when, a, when you're saying that a girl will say to you, well, the reason I'm attracted to you is because of your hair, this implies that you at some point in the evening are interrogating them as to why they were attracted to you. Like, they don't just volunteer that, do they? Like, hey, apropos of nothing, I like you because of your hair. Actually, okay, I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you when I first knew that girls dug me because of my hair. There was this, when I was working at another radio station down there in the Mid-Valley, I used to go by this coffee shop every day. This hot girl, her name is Michelle. I will not give out her last name. She's married now. She lives in Lebanon. Now. Was she married then? Um, actually, it's a funny story. She, <laughs> she married the guy. Marriage is sort of a vague. She married the guy. We don't understand. She it. was cheating with me, but she married the guy that um, she was with while she was cheating with me. So, Wait, so she was dating a guy, sleeping with you, and then married him. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Anyway, so tell me about how <laughs> did this get John to your... the John Cusack high fidelity story of my life. Tell me, to, tell me about how it got to the hair. Okay. So a- after, you know, after holding hands and thinking pure thoughts and reading French poetry one evening, I said, so what's the deal? Why are you ending me? She's like, can I be honest? I said, sure. She's like, your hair is hot. <laughs> did she say it just <laughs> like that? I, this is how Michelle said it. Your hair is hot. All right. And well. I kind of had, like, this big old pompadour back then, so she used to call me the Rockabilly Hellcat. Please tell me that she didn't say that while you were in the midst of love. Oh, no. And I called Why her. Why you even go there? Give it to me now, you Rockabilly Hellcat. I call her, and I called her my kitten. Please don't say that. The you Rockabilly Hellcat. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. 
No, they're, 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 I, okay. I'm living proof. Look, I asked the question. I'm, I deserved whatever the I'm answer was. I'm living proof. If you're just a guy of, like, you know, short stature, uh, not that great looking, if you have a head of hair, you too can be in the rock and roll business and have beautiful women. Well, it is, I mean, it, it, you know what it is? The musicians, uh, I'm sorry, not musicians, magicians have this concept called misdirection, which is David where... Copperfield? It, it, where, it, where it's like the, <laughs> on the one, you know, they're, they're putting the dove in the cage or whatever, but on the other hand, they're, like, waving a shiny thing. Like, look over here as they're, like, loading up the trick. The no pun intended. No pun intended. Um, but yeah, they have they're distracting you with something while they're sort of doing the sort of hijinks over to the side. Oh. And for a musician, the guitar is the ultimate misdirection. It's Very like don't so. don't pay don't pay attention to my huge nose, you know. Which I have. No, I'm just talking about me. Bit, I'm saying in my case, I'm talking about oh. me. Or like you know, you get like your Steven Tyler or your Eric Burden, any of those weird rock guys. Where you're like, you know, don't pay attention to the fact that I look like uh, a political caricature of myself. Uh, look at this guitar I'm holding. That's and then, very true. Uh, no, it's true. And then it just it distracts women uh, from any and all physical deficiencies. It really does. That's disappointing. Yeah, guitar's been really good to me. No, it's. I, I mean, that look. I mean, that, that's you it. too. Apparently, that's the I only mean, reason why I wish I could play guitar. I mean, I play that's guitar. It. I've told. I don't. No, I, I don't know if this made it. I can't even remember if this made it into, into the final cut or the whatever. But in, but in, in Bigger This Jesus, there was this moment that it was in one version of the script where I used to talk about how I would stand in my garage with the garage door open, and I would just sit there with a the guitar and an amplifier, and I would wait until I saw a girl walking down the street. And then I would just stand up and I would just start playing. Like, but I, could, I couldn't play a whole song, just the intros. And so I would see a girl walking down the street, and I'd be there in my garage with the door open, and when she would get within earshot, I would like full on bust out like the you know the and just until she either stopped or had walked by and was out of earshot, and then I would stop and I would just sit down and wait for the next one. I have a question. Yeah. How many stopped? None. <laughs> Zero. I have another way. Let's just say you're not you know uh, musically gifted. Uh, here's another way where you can get girls. Like if you're at a karaoke bar, I may. Does have... this involve that thing where you have the rag and a gun? No, oh, no. God. Okay. I may or may bar. have not done this. Okay. Okay. You're at a karaoke bar. It's like 1:30. <laughs> the girl's been drinking. Just sing Chris Isaac. Oh well, no. Chris well, Isaac Chris is Isaac Spanish fly. Yeah, what a totally. wicked game you play. You're just creeping me out. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, too. Make me feel this way. Please don't do that ever again. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do a little bit of news here, and then we'll talk uh, film stuff. We'll do the top five and all that uh, here on KCMD Portland. Here is Timmy Ryan. Okay. While more than 1.1 million Oregonians voted this month <laughs> in this month's election... Yeah, shut up! <laughs> we have to remain con in control for at least another 60 minutes. While more than 1.1 million Oregonians voted in this month's election. Several thousand others fell short of the finish line. That just makes it what? sound like they're retarded. I don't even know what this, what this, what this story's about. Is it low voter turnout story? Listen, some mailed in an envelope with no ballot inside. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Or with I'm one, proud to be an Oregonian. <laughs> or with one from last year. How does so that even happen? Save their ballot? How does that... I don't even understand how that transpired. Hunter signed a ballot envelope and sent it in, not realizing it was a spouse's or other family members instead of their own. Oh, Jesus. God, people are, people are really puzzler, dumb. One puzzler for the election board. 
that they received was a check to St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. Which means, by the way, that the, the, we, so the, so the, the balloting people get a check for St. Jude's, and the people at St. Jude's who need the money, there's some, uh, a ballot. There's some like, uh, you know, the, the kid who needs all his bones replaced, right. and he Sorry, gets a ballot Johnny, in the mail. You're going to die because we got the ballot instead of the check. We yes, were, somebody we were voted. on the verge of curing you, but instead we got this thing for Dan Saltzman. But somebody Sorry. voted yes on 49, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. as, as, as little Jimmy is drawing his last breath, they're able to go, yes, but 49. Nine passed. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, George Bush. Here we go. I know he's uh, very loved around here, so I'll read a story about him. Is this a Bush watch? Yeah. I, yeah. I think we could probably call this a Bush All watch. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your Bush watch for Friday. kind of in charge. You've got the whole country saying, that's my Bush. Life is hard. That's the price of fame when you're president. Everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that thing? It's my Bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's our man. That's my Bush. Here's Timmy Ryan with your Bush Watch for Friday. A Bush? Am I on? Yes. Okay. A Bush administration effort to boost logging here in the Pacific Northwest to its highest level in years has hit a snag. Pun intended. The U.S. Forest Service is running short of money to draw up new timber sales. Timber. The shortfall is related to the national housing slowdown, which has depressed lumber prices about as low as they have ever been. That according to federal industry officials. Raise your hand if you understand what the story is about. No homes are being built, therefore no need for logs. Is that what the story is? Is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, more thank you for bottom. Thank you for cliff noting it there. No problem. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think it's. I don't know how, what it has to do with Bush, but is that it? Well, is that it? Because well, because the no Bush administration, they never, they never met like a green thing. They didn't that's want to true. bomb or burn or destroy there or cut go. down or whatever. Right. I think well, they wanted to start programs to kind of you know boost the timber industry because you know there's a lot of towns, especially in the Pacific Northwest, that have relied heavily oh, yeah. uh, on the timber industry, and now that you know there's no timber, everyone's just turning into meth addicts. Well. And it's, like Sweet Home. Well, there's only, I mean, there are really only three industries in the Northwest. There's nuclear power, there's timber, and there's meth. Right. Or building microchips. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's all there is, man. I'm going to go into the meth business. And I mean, well, you know what? And you know where the meth business is booming? It's mm. right around timber towns, too, because right. um, when I, I lived, uh, you know, I used to live right on the Idaho border, and you would get these guys who worked at lumber mills, and they would have to work uh, it, sort of like at radio, except with mulching machines. They would have to work these insane shifts of like 12 on, 6 off, 12 on, 6 off for like a month in a row. And you would get these guys who were just deathly afraid of being pulled into a pulper. And so the only way that they would stay alert is by just snorting all of this methamphetamine as they were, like, working with these big log chipping machines. Right. So meth and timber go hand in hand, ladies and gentlemen. I was telling Chris on this, maybe uh, to help stop meth in schools, you can give kids bumper stickers that say, math, not meth. It's your third circuit. You 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 laugh. Hey, you laugh before. I, I snorted. You laugh before. You laughed in the kitchen while I was eating. Is, is they really ought to, Okay, but I'm going to tell you this. Okay, but you. I think you are onto something there. I feel bad about the crap. No, no, no. no. Well, actually, was well, kind of funny. But you know what? They should sell. They okay uh, because now I know that you. I, and I don't get your thing. Let me just sidetrack for a second here. I don't get your thing about nerds and geeks because let me tell you this my friend we can smell our own and you are both a nerd yeah. and a yeah, geek yeah. you're right there my and friend. so you play guitar hero when you, doesn't mean but you know what when you it doesn't matter, doesn't you know, matter. i don't play guitar hero yes, but it you does, do. i i yes, play guitar do. hero at Aaron's house yeah oh <laughs> but so you're admitting that you do but i'm saying you got to yeah. admit that you're a nerd and a geek okay okay so that's what i'm saying you know what and not every We're a nerd, nerd and a geek with sex hair not <laughs> don't, don't ever say that again 
Can we go back to the... It's not hot to tell people you have sex hair. I'm telling you that right now. Can we go back to the the math and meth No, no, okay, but here's what I'm going to say, because geek wear is really popular, and I know Aaron Duran sells a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, clothing that is from the geek lifestyle, and people, you know, you can make a lot of money doing that. Okay, so here's the next item they ought to sell for nerds, because they sell... Like, I saw a great tie the other day, and it was a tie... Uh, for, like, full-on screaming, like, math dorks. And it was a tie covered in binary, you know, zeros and ones. But in binary, it said, ties suck. Uh, and so it's like if you have to wear a tie to your math job, to your, like, business job, you wear a tie, but in binary code, it secretly says, ties suck. And so that kind of stuff is really popular with with the kids and the nerds and the whatever. They ought to be selling a line of clothes that, uh, kind of on your joke, that are something like, you know, like, a uh, math addict. You know, or, you know, math, math amphetamine or something. And, and sell it to nerds. And so instead of meth, meth user, it's math user. So instead of us copywriting it and making millions of dollars, you're just giving the idea to somebody else and we're going to be poor. Thank yeah, you. Copy, that's copyright what it. I do with this program. Copyright it. Right? Oh, wait, okay. I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's really what it happens on this. Uh, this show, Copyright 2007, Rick Emerson Show. So that's, but we Done. give those ideas away all the time because there's not enough time in the world for this. This is like my thing about, um, this is like my thing about David Hasselhoff. Uh, fighting the monster Grendel, and it would be Beowatch. And then I said it, and nobody found it funny. So, I have the ultimate carrot top prop, but I can't say it here because somebody will steal it. Well, should I say it? Yes. Okay. Um, the ultimate carrot top prop. A roll of toilet paper with the Sunday new pa- newspaper already printed on it. It's not a bad idea. Because, you know, people usually do... But ink... ink. But I think it's been Rub done, off. though. No. I think it's been done. I don't think so. I think the weekly, I think the weekly World News at one point actually sold, uh, like, headline toilet paper. Like, the day's headline, current headline? Well, it was, whatever. I think it might have been from the archives. toilet paper with Jesus printed on it. No, but that's not, that's that not is just wrong. I, I'm not even that. Catholic, and that makes me feel bad. <laughs> I want that. That's outstanding. That, I thought it was right. The Rick Emerson <laughs> program... The Rick Emerson program does not endorse or condone that. Even as a failed Catholic, I'm offended by that. No, but you couldn't. The thing about your idea is you couldn't. The turnaround time it would be impossible to do. You couldn't. Oh no, no, it could be done. I mean, if, if the Oregonian really wanted to do that, I'm sure they could probably get on that tomorrow. Well, they are looking to expand into new and exciting industries. So. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Okay, right. whatever. Hey, we'll we... some readership. Uh, well, we're probably so, we're so yeah. late. We might as yeah. well just roll through this. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll talk a little movie and stuff, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with the top five. All right. Last but definitely not least, Boy George. He's in court. Yeah, pop store. Pop store. I can't talk today. All right. I think all that drugs you were doing yesterday, Rick, is rubbing off. So, okay, no, today is today is really yeah. the come down period from yesterday, but that's all right. The hangover day. The day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Pop star Boy George was due to appear in court in London. Accused of falsely imprisoning a male escort by chaining him to a wall. This is the um I, creepy. We had this about a week ago again and his court date was this week where like they found allegedly they found like some uh, you know rent boy that was like like manacled up in his house, which is just which is just kind of sad because we were just talking about just talking about being a musician is sort of an entree to maybe getting hookups that you might not otherwise. And you know the boy Jordan, not like he's cranking out the hits, but he's still especially in London, still a very known figure. He's a big club DJ over there. And the fact that you still got to chain somebody up in your house to keep them from running away, even once you're famous, you literally have to be manacling them to a wall. To keep them there. Just the idea of seeing a, a, a chain attached to George Michael's living room walls. Not George Michael, boy George. Saw, 
Sorry. We'll I know that it's we want to clarify. Easy to get them confused. I know. No, no, no. Boy George manacling up uh, rent boys. George Michael passed out in a car at a rest station. Exactly. That's the difference. No, no. George Michael passed out? No, wasn't it? No. Hold on here. Didn't George Michael pass out at an intersection? I think that was one of the well, times he passed he out, yeah. he was driving, but I mean, his car was parked. Well, he's been found. <laughs> Rust stop. No, I think there's three different times. I may be wrong about this, but I think there's three different times where they have found George Michael slumped over, passed out at the wheel of his car somewhere. Once was in a parking lot, once was at a rest station, and once actually might have been like at a stop sign. Wasn't the rest stop, though, behind bushes? See, I don't know. See, now I'm confusing him I, I with, like, the, yeah, any number of yeah. Republican congressmen. Now it's all... <laughs> and then it one of them was together. that picture where he looked almost like a werewolf. Oh, God, I remember yeah, that photo. Yeah. yeah. The, um, and, you know, the weird thing, and this is a thing I think about sometimes, is uh, I, uh, years ago, I interviewed Boy George. I had him um, on the, not on this show, when I was in another state, and I had Boy George in the studio. In the studio? Yeah, he's a really cool guy. He was the, he was the coolest guy. A great interview. Did, Did he have the funky you? makeup or anything? The, I'm sorry? Did he have the head paint the funky, on? funky uh, head paint? No, yeah. this was... No, in fact... Um, and I should say, first and foremost, he was a really great interview. He did not hit on me, to the best of my knowledge, but I'm not very shrewd at picking up on those things sometimes. Um, a couple great anecdotes about that, George... Uh, see, even I'm going to do it now. See? About the Boy George interview. Um, a... He wouldn't let us take any pictures with him because he didn't have any makeup on, and he didn't. He's oh, like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm not presentable. Take a big, meet me tonight at the club, you know, after the show, and we'll do pictures. I, not now. And he was just street clothes, like the green army jacket. It actually looked kind of cool because you don't, you didn't expect him to look that way. He had like the green army jacket, a Kangol hat, and just hmm. like a little bit of jewelry, and you know, he just looked like a normal guy. Hmm. Great interview, totally down to earth. Stayed in the studio for like 90 minutes. Wow. Took all the calls. Oh wow. Took, took calls me. It was totally great. Whatever. Um, was incredibly polite, courteous, you know, and I was just some idiot. God, I think I was 22, maybe. Well, he's an Irish Catholic. I have um, to ask, was this in Utah? Yeah, it was in Utah. No, it was in Salt Lake. He played, he played a show that night at a gay club called Bricks, uh, which, and I went to the show and it was fantastic. And I, and I gotta tell you, I didn't, growing up, I wasn't much of a, uh, a pop fan or a new wave fan in the yeah. 80s. I was kind of in my metal thing. And so I didn't really know a whole lot about him. And it, this was like, obviously, way after Culture Club. He was doing his solo thing. But man, it was a great show. I you mean, know what you should have done. You should have wow. got a karaoke version of Karma Chameleon, and you guys could have done a duet right there in the. Uh, and you could have recorded it. The, well, I'll tell you this: the interview started sort of badly, though, because again, it, and I, it was just because of ignorance. Because I, again, I wasn't really a, a, a Boy George fan. I didn't really know a whole lot about him, uh, but I knew he was sort of famous, and I knew he was, you know, he had a following, so I wanted to have him on. And the first question out of my mouth, which I asked completely out of naivete, I said. I said, hey, okay, we're here in the studio on the Brick Emerson Show with Boy George, and uh, you're going to be the night at Bricks. And uh, so uh, is this, are you a solo thing, or is this is this like a thing where you're back with Culture Club? And it was like the temperature in the room dropped like 50 degrees in the room because he did not, because at that Bad point they had been an acrimonious breakup. He yeah. didn't want to talk. And it took me a, a few minutes to recover with him, and then it ended up being really great. Um, but it, my, my point was, though, and then you read all these stories later about how he's, you know, strung out, and you know he's hooked on all kinds he of whatever. Is. And then, but then you, but then you wonder. At least I always wonder this. Every time I've had a chance to interview anybody, you always think back in this later and go like, "What was in the guy's pockets when I was talking to him?" Like mm. if I had, if I had looked in his coat when he stepped out of the room, like what would I have found? How many needles did you have yeah, found? Yeah, I mean, it's just and maybe yeah. offered to hang his coat when he came in, and then I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, we'll and then we went to the bathroom, just kind of <laughs> like rummage through him, and then just you know, sell the stuff. Yeah, my, yeah, my man will take your coat. I'll <laughs> check this for you, boy George. But I do kind of wonder. But like I, uh, like we had, um, like Ozzy was in the building a couple. Weeks ago, 
and by all accounts is, is legitimately clean and sober this time. Although, to be fair, yeah, right. every time he puts out a record, he always says, this is the first record I've done sober. <laughs> he says that about every He record. forgets about the last time. He was saying that on No Rest for the Wicked when he was still like cacked out of his brains. And so... Uh, but but I, I met him a few years ago, and I always wonder, like, if I looked in his boot, would there just been, like, a big bag of heroin or something in his boot or something, whatever. So, all right. Um, Scott Daly, Film yes, Fever Radio. Yes. Uh, so you, um, uh, so have you seen The Mist? I did not see The Mist. Aaron saw The Mist this week. I don't uh, want to know anything about it. Nope. I'm just going to say, go, uh, we're going to have an official review for it on our show next week. This week, we don't have a show. We're taking a little Thanksgiving break, so next week we'll have a brand new show. But you can read Aaron's Mist on geekinthecity.com. Uh, fantastic review. His review even got posted on Ada Cool News. I know. He was right below, it. right right above Fatboy's review. He was lording fantastic. it over, but he and Fatboy got some Ain't It Cool yeah, reviews. Yeah. I have only ever gotten one item on Ain't It Cool. I've, I've submitted many. I haven't gotten one. Sarah's gotten on Ain't It Cool. Really? I, yeah, with with because she was in New York, and she got some um, oh, candid the, snaps of yeah, the yeah. Sex and the City movie. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they did, she was on Ain't It Cool. Court, uh, Cor, uh, not Cor, but Fat Boy and I uh, and Aaron have been on there several times. I've made it to Ain't It Cool once. Yeah. Um, and uh, wasn't even for something that interesting. I think so. I, I, I think I tried twice and just gave up. So yeah. now one of these days. But anyway, I do want to talk about a film that came out last week, last Friday, I believe, and that is the new Coen Brothers film, No Country for Old Men. Yes. And let me just say. I love the Coen Brothers. I've got every single one of their films on DVD. I love them to death. The last couple of years, they've made some pretty funny, decent films, but not to the uh, level of Fargo. I never saw The Man Who Wasn't There. The that's, Man Who Wasn't There, you need to see. That's the it's black a, and white James Gandolfini thing. It's great noir. Yeah. yeah, it's outstanding. No Country for Old Men. Granted, they did Lebowski. They've done Fargo, Raising Arizona, O Brother Art Thou. Right. Best film they have ever done. The best film I have seen in probably three years. See, and I, I got to tell you, and I, I don't dislike the Coen Brothers, but I'm not like a huge. Co- I'm a casual Coen Brothers fan. Okay, okay. I don't. Uh, you know, I their movies are. You know. So do you like the quirky? I mean, when you think of Coen Brothers, what's the first film we think of? Blood Simple. Blood Simple. Okay. So do you like I like, I like dark Coen Brothers. I don't like it when they try because they did Miller's Crossing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I loved Miller's Crossing. That's probably like, right up there with Blood Simple. Did you like Barton Fink? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, I did. Here, the Coen brothers lose me when they try to be funny. Mm. Uh, when they try to be. I love their humor, though. See, and Raising Arizona is the only time I think they were ever truly funny. Um, and I don't want to. No, you haven't seen Lebowski yet, have you? No, no, to this day, I haven't. It's sitting on my TV at home. Jeff McGinley's DVD is sitting on my. That's amazing. Here, and and I do not want to turn this into a a, 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 a thing. My my problem with the Coen brothers and their comedy, and and I will be honest, I haven't seen some of their films. Okay. But is that, to me, the Coen brothers do a little too much of that, um, hey, look at these dumb hicks comedy, which I'm not going to say it offends me, but I find it, it's kind of a cheap kind of comedy. I find it to be sort of, easy way out. I find it to be condescending. I find some of their humor to be condescending because it seems to me, Fargo being a good example of this, that the Coen brothers have this thing sometimes where the only thing that is apparently funny about someone is that they are from a small, poor town. And I don't. And I and I and I honestly am not trying to start another Napoleon Dynamite thing, but that was my big problem with Napoleon Dynamite, where it's like the humor all comes from the fact that he's like a poor kid with no parents, and I right. it's kind of geeky and yeah, awkward, and, yeah. And it's like I just don't find that inherently funny. Okay. Raising Arizona, 
That's hilarious because the writing is exceptional. The but dialogue is fantastic. But that's what makes all the Coen Brothers film exceptional. I'll see Lebowski within the next month, I the swear to you. The dialogue is just perfect. And uh, yeah, they do have their dumb little hicks and, and, and their little inside But they're talented filmmakers. Bits. But they're man, talented, those guys... Beautiful cinematography. All oh, yeah. Them. Roger yeah. Deakins is their DP. They, he's been their DP since Blood Simple. And he, they're, they're, it's fantastic. But No Country for Old Men. Uh, it takes place in a little, little county in Texas, and uh, Josh Brolin, who is very slowly working his way to be one of my favorite actors. And he was in Planet Terror. He was in Planet Terror. He was also an American gangster. He played the, the, the corrupt that's cop. Right, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's that guy right. Is, yeah, that guy's outstanding. Uh, he stumbles across a, a crime scene gone awry and a suitcase full of $2 million. And the film is kind of a cat and mouse game because Javier Bardem plays this big, lumbering killer. Right. He carries around this air canister of pressurized air and basically puts it in people's head and pops it. Okay. And uh, this, Javier Bardem, it's great because Where do he's I huge. know him from? Where, what um, else would he have been in? I cannot remember off the top of my head. He was he was nominated for an Oscar for a film. He played a cancer patient, Natch, okay. um, a few years back, but the name, right. the name escapes me right now. But he, um, this killer, he's lumbering, he's very soft-spoken. Every time someone's on screen with him, you're just wondering, okay, if one of them is they going to get it? They're going to get it. You know they are. It's a very violent film. It's like I said, it's kind of a cat and mouse game between Javier Bardem sh- sh- tracking down Brolin, uh, and Tommy Lee Jones plays the sheriff of this little little town of uh, the, the little county of Texas, and it's kind of following, kind of a couple steps behind them all the time. And um, it's a violent film, but it's not overly violent. Right. The violence is there, and it's intense, but they don't overdo it. They very easily could overdo it, but they don't. They kind of pull back a little bit. Now, i got to ask you a question about, and, and, and of course, these reviews are all spoiler-free. We're very uh, pretty yes, we proud are. of it mm-hmm. on this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to read you an email, and this echoes something that I have read online. And again, I won't give anything away. Okay. But this says, the new Coen Brothers movie is good until it sucks says, uh, the ending blows, uh, but their bad guy is one of the scariest pathological murderers ever. So everybody says that he is a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say that the ending you will either loathe or love. I love it because the ending for me defined what the film was about. You're two hour, you know, you're an hour and 45 minutes into the film thinking it's about this cat and mouse game. The last 15 minutes of the film, you realize, wait, this is not it at all. This is truly a no country for old right, men. Right. The old, you know, the old shop, the, the, the old sheriffs, the old cops, the good guys versus bad right. guys. You know, there's there's a reason behind everything. That's not the way it is anymore. And this film takes place in the early 80s, so it's not a modern day oh, film. Oh, so I thought it was a scene. I thought it was like an 1800s. No, no, it takes place in like in 1982. Oh, see, so I don't even. So I don't know what the hell. You're I'm thinking about, about the new P.T. Anderson film. Yeah, with that, uh, which is. Um, it's, I can't remember the Jesus, what the hell is that called? The oil film? Yeah, the, 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 which, which uh, I saw a trailer for, by the way. It yeah. looks fantastic. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so so that that's that's what's great about the setting. I've read the same thing, too, about the ending. People either love the ending or they hate it and right. it ruins the film. For me, I loved it because it really put a cap on what the film is truly about. And it's not a happy ending. It's not a nice Hollywood, here's a little present well, gift I'm, ending. I'm happy is, with that ending. But um, it's, just, it's, it's a beautiful film. And I need to see this again to, to to really make this a true statement, but I believe there is not a lick of music in the entire film. There's, it really, it's scoreless. At the end of the credits, there are some. At the beginning credits, there are some. But I don't remember hearing anything throughout the entire which film. Is, which is weird when you consider how many, how many films 
I mean, well, like, for example, The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock has no score. No score, exactly. Uh, and I don't even think of the opening or closing. I think it's no, just the sound nothing. of bird wings flapping mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end, and there's no score in the movie at all. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's quite haunting, because Carter Burwell does the music for it at the end of the film, right. the rolling credits. And when his, when his name came up, I was thinking, wait a second, well, there was no music <laughs> in this I didn't hear a note of music in this film. And if I did, it's very subtle and very quiet. Uh Tommy Lee Jones, you know, he's been away for a while. Uh, earlier this year, he was in a film called The Valley of Elah, uh, which didn't do so hot. But this film just brings him back. I would say this is their best film. Um, I, I put it up there with Blood Simple and Miller's Crossing. Blood Simple, which is the first Coen Brothers film uh, I saw. And it really is, I mean, which is a fantastic film. Um, and... Uh, you know, and again, Miller's Crossing, which is just uh, which is wonderful as well. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and it's really what they do best. I mean, this t- there's little sprinkles of humor thrown out the film, but just the pacing of the film and the characters are fantastic. Woody Harrelson plays a hired bounty hunter who's trying to go after. You know what's great about Woody Harrelson? I love guys like that who you think they're just goofy and dumb, and then every once in a while they just knock out a brilliant mm-hmm, performance, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait a minute, I forgot that guy can really act. His role is brief, but he's fantastic. There's a brief role by Stephen Root in it as well. Who's a Coen Brothers staple lately? Yeah, and he's also the uh, Milton. Until they could listen to the radio, the reasonable voice. That's right, that Milton guy. from Office yeah. Space. Uh, so I can't recommend this film enough. Um, as of right now, best film of the year, as Excellent. far as I'm concerned. Cool. Uh, well, let's do this call. Then I'm going to play a little something special for Kristen to put a smile on her Aww. otherwise sad countenance. <laughs> uh, and then we'll come back. More news with Timmy Ryan, and we'll do the top five. Top five. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. I went and saw No Country for Old Men. Yes, sir. It was the perfect movie. Yep. It was fantastic, except for the last 20 seconds, which just blows. But the last, anyway. The last 20 seconds? The last 20 seconds when they're in the kitchen. Right, right, right. What a wasted scene. But it's got everything. It is the perfect movie. And how, how fantastic is Javier Bardem? Oh, my God. Well, it, it, what's, well who, who's even better is Tommy Lee Jones. What was, just, just playing the good old boy sheriff. Yeah. And what, all his, What's what's great about Bardem's role is he's he's not a badass. He's just a scary dude. Right. He's he just evil. Don't want to he's, just, he's just blank. He's, he's just yeah. He is the epitome of evil. Actually. And and it's and no matter what happens to him, he, he you can't stop him. And, he and it's kind of like society. Stop. Right. And he absolutely will not stop. Excellent. And it's it's just like society. You know, that's what they're showing is the degradation yeah. of society. And you can't stop the evil. That's what they're saying. You just can't stop it. We've lost it. it. And what's great about it is he has this Emo Phillips haircut. <laughs> He's this big lumbering guy with his emo Phillips haircut. Well, it, it, it's yeah. cool too. He, you know, he walks in that scene in the gas station with the coin. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's just this old man is totally flabbergasted about you know about what society is turning into, and he just doesn't know how to answer, and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. You know. Well, thank you, my friend. It was great. All so right, anyway, thank you. All right, now I'm just picturing Emo Phillips as a killer. <laughs> That's a whole lot. I'm just pic- and I'm going to have to cut your head off. Yeah. You know, that first pot of coffee in the morning. I've tried other enemas, but nothing else. I love Emo Phillips. You know who he's married guy. to? Who? Judy Tenuta. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Judy Tenuta. I mean, we're talking about a yin and a yang. That is a perfect universe right there. That is everything coming together. He's basically just a waif, and she's a guy with breasts, basically. 
Judy you know, Tenuta. I used to have the biggest crush on Judy you know, Tenuta. She, you know what always makes me laugh is in Waiting for Guffman, um, Corky St. Clair wears, wears a Judy Tenuta t-shirt. Yeah. And it's just Judy so Judy Tenuta's funny. hottest balls. Oh, totally. I remember watching her on, on MTV, and she had that, um, that huge fern on the set there. <laughs> this is my plant, Robert. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll do a little something here for Chris and Bowie. Hey, when was the last time you slept? Um, Yesterday. When is it? When did you? Okay, let me ask you this. When did you last get out of bed? Uh, yesterday. <laughs> we got an email. This uh, this email, and we will not identify uh, the other places of business. But this says Kristen Bowie is hardcore. When is the last time Kristen slept? I thought I was a workaholic, but she was up all night working elsewhere. And yes, I showed some love for the Emerson family by listening to every damned minute of her at her other job. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah, Thank I know. You. His name starts with S. Yeah, yes. he says there is our friend Seamus. He says there is nothing um, about any of. He said there's nothing about her other job that really appeals to me, but I trudge through it. God damn it, just for her. Now that I think about it, He's I'm I'm awesome. hardcore too. Thanks for a great holiday. Hey, Seamus, show. did you Seamus. listen to me too? Probably. Of course he did. <laughs> he shows, Seamus is. He I, supports the show. And he doesn't even live here. He lives in Colorado. He knows actually a couple good friends of mine. So. Yeah, he's a Seamus is the man. He's a, he's a, he's he's you know he's, he's our he's our Rocky Mountain correspondent. He really is. He's, he's, he's indescribably great. He's he's the hardest of the hardcore. Really. He's Kristen and I's other job. Um, we ran into each other last night. Uh, oh. Radio. No. 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 <laughs> was it the hair, Kristen? Was, was, was it his rockabilly sex hair? Oh. Yeah. Now it's the Beatles sex hair. Oh Jesus. Love, love, no. no. You know. Wait, hold on, hold on. Make make the noise just once. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of speaking of skin, we're gonna play this for Kristen Bowie. Then we'll be back with uh, with the news and the top five. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Friday. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this when it's told. It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose. And when it's done, there's one more thing: a simple little task. It's put the Lotion in the basket. Put the lotion in the basket. All these stupid women are the same. Helps me not to think of them as human. So I call them it instead of by their names. Mr. Please, no more abuse. Can't you see there's no excuse? My family's probably wondering where I've been. So your skin gets loose, stop crying now, you big fat moose. Just put the lotion on your skin, and then put the lotion in the basket. Your chances for survival are remote. I'm impervious to all your silly whining, so I down before I jam up off right down your throat. Mister, please, my mom's got money, let me go, this isn't Cops are sure to send somebody. Turn me loose, don't be a dummy. Listen to your screaming wail. Keep it down, you wail. Mind the broken fingernail. The last girl climbed halfway but failed. Someone at the door Don't make me go and get my gun 
We are live the day after Thanksgiving. Coming up here in just a moment, we'll have a top five with Timmy Ryan. What a great song. It really is. So this is from the permanent record box set. It's like a five-disc Weird Al set, which I think comes with a huge DVD as well. So there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Uh, What time is it now? We got one more break to do? Yeah. Well, we should do the top five now then. Who wants to roll the top five? Show of hands? Yes. Excellent. Well done. Here's your top five for Friday on the Rick Emerson five, radio program. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, with the top five that he created specifically for today's program, the one and only Timmy Ryan. Yes, I created it drunkenly last night. I just Even better. That out. So I sent uh, I sent you a text last night. And I'm like, hey, put together a top five, whatever it is you, you know, a representative cut, whatever it is you want to bring in, uh, and we'll do it. And so what is the top five you have created for us, Timmy the Ryan? The top five... Actually, well, it's six. The top five an honorable mention. mention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is sort of an mention. unwritten law there. All right, uh, <laughs> but the top songs that I have created today are from the movie Boogie Nights. Now, now, I, have a, I have a question. Go for it. Is this, are these cuts off of both soundtracks? Correct. Because there's one and two. Right, okay. exactly. And and the way that I compiled this, all right, there's, there's two kind of criterium, I guess, for this. <laughs> one of them being... Uh, how well it fits in with the scene. Because, I mean, there's a lot of great songs. I think that P.T. Anderson might have, you know, he, he could have flipped a few songs and made a few 
better choice. You know, he wasn't allowed to use the song Boogie Nights or uh, right. by, uh, what is it, Disco Inferno or right. whatever that is. Yeah. They, right. they, they didn't want to be associated with porn. Sure. It's a yeah. shame because... Yeah. And then also the songs, I don't know, they just had to represent the movie. You know, there's some <clears> songs that just fit perfectly yes. within the movie. I mean, and, and the soundtrack's just brilliant, you know, from basically start to finish. So here there, we go. There are two filmmakers who really know music and films, Scorsese and Tarantino. I think those two really, really do a good job of putting songs. Before we roll this top five, I do have to say this. There was a great Onion News desk. Uh, not an Onion News desk, but an Onion News article in the, in the print version of The Onion. And this was before Scorsese won for The Departed. Yeah. And it was, um, it was the, the headline was, um, Scorsese's next film to be three hours of begging for Oscar. <laughs> and then, but then the story said, like, the story was describing the film as like a single steady cam shot of Scorsese sitting on a chair begging for an Oscar while Gimme Shelter played repeatedly in the background. <laughs> Gimme Shelter's a great song. Yeah, no, because he's used in like a hundred yeah, different movies. Every and movie, it works, every movie too. gets totally. played. Yeah. All right, here's the top five songs from Boogie Nights in okay. the opinion of Tim Ryan. Here we go. This is uh, actually number six, and I didn't include this because P.T. Anderson did not include the scene in which the song is in this in the is movie. From a deleted scene. Unfortunately, because it's it's a great scene, and it would explain a lot. But uh, it's from – I'll just give a little quick recap. If you don't have the uh, extended version of Boogie Nights where they have all the deleted scenes. Which you should. Which you should. Which you should. This which is we the, all own here. Right, exactly. Right. This is the, the deleted scene where uh, Dirk Diggler goes to basically kick some ass of Becky's boyfriend who's beating the crap out of her and where he wrecks the Corvette. So – and it's Tusk, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And, you know, you can still see the remnants of this scene because when they show up at What's-His-Name's House on the Hills, the car is wrecked. Right. And he has that line about, this will give me the money to get my car fixed. And it's never, it never explained. explains it. Exactly. exactly. And you know what? You kind of just figure, okay, the guy was just probably coked out and smashed it, but it would have been kind of cool yeah. to see this is what happened and uh, whatever. Boogie Nights is one of my top five films of all time. Yeah, agreed. I is mean, it? it's, it is. It's, it's one of my top five. Okay. Isn't this uh, Flawless. the drum core in the song from the USC Trojan? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And this song just works perfectly on multiple levels. I love this song. Yeah. I know P.T. Anderson right now is just kicking himself for not using the scene in the song. Hey, well, he's got, actually, he, got me. he said repeatedly, he said, you know, like, maybe I should have left it in. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have cut it. The he movie was already, it. like, three hours long. Yeah. Matter. This, this, a couple more minutes wouldn't have hurt it. All right. You know that sequence where Wahlberg smashes his car? He did that for real. He did it for real. And they didn't like it. No, and, like, the union, like, it violated every safety <laughs> law. And he made some excuse, like, oh, my God, my foot slipped yeah, off the gas. Yeah, totally. And the fact that he, you know, just, you know, trashed a 78 pristine Corvette probably didn't help you. Yeah, there's always that. All right, let's move on. Can we move on? All number right. five. Okay, number five. So this is the official list. Elvin Bishop, Fooled Around, Fell in Love. Yeah, this is a great song. Oh, yeah, the party scene. The party scene, yeah. Well, soon, no, this is the party when the party's over in the hot tub. When uh, when uh, Dirk and uh, Reef, R- R- uh, Reed are and in it's the... like the name is just so bright that the sign just <laughs> explodes. Yes. Well, Jack gets in the tub with our more boys coming we, in. We are such tools. That's a that's a good scene. Too. That's a great yeah. scene. Yeah. That 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 whole film nailed the feeling in L. I mean, granted, I was you know a kid, but I could just feel like I would could be in L. A. at that time. The great thing about Boogie Nights is it does the the same thing that Freaks and Geeks pulls off. That it is a period piece, but it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard. And it's not a lot of like, hey, look at the funny haircuts. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a legitimate slice of, of that era. I remind okay. myself of Dirk Dingley. So, okay. <laughs> All Moving right. on now. Uh, this is number four. On the uh, best songs ever in Boogie Nights. Here we go. Um, I love this. Oh, I yeah. love this. I'm going to keep rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. This is the award sequence. This is in his room. What Bruce, is this the Bruce Lee poster. Oh, this is Joy. And it's actually a takeoff of, uh, uh, what was it? 
Jesu uh, Joy Man's Desire. Yeah, the camera pans around his room. He sees a Corvette and Bruce Lee poster yeah. and the Cheryl Teague poster is, on the wall. I love this movie. Getting up to the pinnacle, not the pin, like the high point of the movie for Dirk Jager, but it's not quite there. This is like when things are going really kick-ass for him. This is what yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson calls the good time sequence right. that you've yeah. seen in a million films where it's the rise, where the roller coaster is going up and it's it not, hasn't started not, to drop. Not all, no, actually, this is not where he's quite there yet. This is where he gets to his room. He's with that leopard print on I bikini briefs. I thought this was where he was winning his awards. The, his AVN award. I think, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. The, what is, what's, are those just shortcuts or is it just stopping? Yeah, I, I just kind of I just Okay, no, short, fair enough. Just, fair just enough. For okay, right. and I guess this is right around the same time. This is the Commodores with Machine Gun. Yeah. All right, this is number three. This is where they're yeah. all dancing oh, and having yeah. a good time. In a disco. <laughs> and have a grand Latana balls. Rick's doing the white man's door, Look, by the way. I have to dance. <laughs> <laughs> the real Italian shoes. Oh, yeah, no, he's doing that. And this is like a real Italian polyester print. It's like I got... uh, I love this movie. And it shows um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman just kind of tagging along and wearing the shirt that two... Totally. And then, of course, this showed up later on Paul's Boutique. This got sampled for, I think, Hey Ladies or something on Paul's Boutique. And actually, I thought that uh, this song was created for the movie. I had no idea the comedy was there. Boy, great great music. And it's not corny. It's not hokey. It fits perfectly. Great dad sequence, too. Counting yeah. down the top five songs from Boogie Nights. All right, uh, we can pare that down. Okay, so this is uh, from the infamous, almost final scene of the movie, Night Ranger. Oh, uh, yeah, This is my favorite scene in this film. Boy. Every time I see this scene, I still jump when the fireworks go off. I've got to tell on? you, this uh, the CD player in this in this, in this this room sucks. Uh, well, I'll just sing it if we can't get to it. Uh, I remember do, 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 I remember being in the theater. And seeing Boogie Nights, not and it was in the early days of you know the net, and so I didn't know a whole lot about it. But I remember being in go. being in the theater, and only wow. knowing a little bit about the movie. And when this sequence comes up, where the, drum thing. the kid is throwing the fireworks, I remember so we were just climbing the walls in the theater because it was so stressful. And you know what's great about the scene is that one scene where just. Things are just peaking. Yeah. And there's that shot of, of Mark Wahlberg just staring off, glassy eyed. And he's like, This is the moment. If I survive, I'm done. Well, and, I'm over this. And, and, and it's so great. And Anderson really nailed it when he said that everybody has had that moment where you've been at a party with the wrong crowd yep. doing the wrong thing. You and, know. You, and you go into yourself for a moment and you go, Where have I? I've taken some wrong turns. How did I get to this party with these people? Right. He, he, he's all clammy and sweaty and he just, he just knows he's got to get out of this. And if he gets out of this alive, he's going to change his way. This scene reminded me of the heart adrenaline scene in Pulp Fiction oh, where yeah. I was just Completely. going crazy Great because scene. it was so stressful. Yep. Yep. Can anybody, can anybody guess? I'm gonna, let's see if we got any guesses for my for the best song. This my is, top nine, number one of the top five the, of Boogie Nights. The number one song from Boogie Nights. Can, can anybody guess what it is? Uh, and, and for me, this defined the movie. Is, is it, it Clementine's this, Loop? No. Okay. This, this song, actually, after I saw Boogie Nights originally in 98, this song would not leave my mind, and it defined not only the movie, but the 70s, and it's one of the most underrated songs of all time. Okay. Hold if, up. If hold it, up. Uh, I was going to say, because my, and I'll just say as a piece, as just a side note, my favorite piece of music from Boogie Nights also shows up in Hard 8, uh, and I believe it's also in Magnolia, and it's called Clementine's Loop, and it's that instrumental that plays during mm-hmm. that middle section where Dirk is getting beat down and 
what's his name, uh, uh, Buck Swope is getting, there's the shootout of the Dunkin' Donuts, and it's just that ding no. that plays. Yeah. That's my guess. I don't know. No, no. I would have to guess the uh, carnival-type music just towards the da No, da, and da, this is a song that's bum, overlooked. Bum. It's overlooked. It's fantastic. It's brand new key. I'm, no, I'm a huge fan I of this group. I love brand new key. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of this group, and this song just defines right. the 70s for me. Hit it, Kristen. Oh, oh yeah. driver's seat, sniffing the tears. Yeah. Crank this baby for a second. No, this is fantastic. You're such a DJ. Yeah. Crank it up. Turn it up. Crank this baby I'm, up. I'm a huge fan of this group. Paul Roberts from Sniffing the Tears is just brilliant in every single way. This is a fantastic And this just kind of reminds me, if you were driving, like, in a 78 Corvette on a Saturday night with, like, a mustache T-top. and long hair. The T-top girl. Yeah. yeah. Doing all right. Yeah. Good this list. is a great song. Good list. Good list. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, and, and spoken, and I mean this sincerely. You know why this list is great? Good music, but but obviously because you not only love the music, but you love the movie, and you know the synergy of the two. Yes. There's nothing better the than part, a list that comes from a music lover. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes it. That just makes the song Alan Feldman's uh, keyboard there. And yeah. you say you're not a geek. Come you're on, you're totally a geek. geek. Yeah. One of right us. Here. One of us. One uh, of us. I, I'm joining the club. I'm paying the dues. Good man. Good man. Uh, I gave us a chance to geek out about Boogie Nights. The fact that you actually thing. stopped so we would hear that one little two-second moment yeah. of audio. Yeah, yeah. You know that's, how many times I've done that? Oh, yeah. It's like, what's wrong with you? That's, it's all about the music, have you, exactly. little things. Have you seen the director's cut of Almost Famous? Yes. Okay, there's that sequence where Russell Hammond is talking to the kid, and he's talking about what's happening, brother, by Marvin Gaye, and he's talking about that whoo that happens, yeah. and he's talking about how it only happens once, and it's an accident, mm-hmm. but it makes the song. Absolutely. You just did a moment like that, and that's how we know you're a music lover, my friend. Thank God you. God bless you. And a fellow geek, because it's a little thing. By the way, different. this is on my uh, top ten list of greatest songs of all time. Let's all not hug. Go to sniffinthetears.com and say hi to Paul Roberts. Sniffinthetears.com. Tell him. Tell him Tim Ryan says hi. Tell him the rockabilly sex guy. <laughs> he, knows, no, he knows me. Paul knows me. He's of course actually, he does. He's, uh, he's emailed me and he's cut liners for me. All That's right. Brilliant. We'll break here. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up after this. Yeah. It's the Rick Emerson program. Stay there. Come on, man.